Hello, welcome to episode 205 of Riot Act, a podcast about music. It's me, Stephen Hill. It's not quite the Stephen Hill show yet, but um, it is still essentially Riot Act. But I do have, it's not just me, I'm not monologuing, you probably heard a little... Um, a little snigger there. That is my guest. Like I say, over the next few weeks while Renfrey's away, we'll be inviting a myriad of numerous excellent guests to come and join us on the show. And this week, I'm delighted to join from the very, very excellent Track One Side One podcast. It's Gaz Jones. Hello, Gaz. Hello, Steve. You're right, mate. I'm really good, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. Nice to have you here. My absolute pleasure. This is this is an absolute treat for me. Um, you know been a huge fan of yours for crazy amount of years all going hey, come on, Paul all did this. i know he Paul did i know, this last I know week. let's did. not do it every week i'm sorry mate i'm not just people are going to think that i'm just inviting people on to go say nice stuff <laughs> yeah, about yeah, me before yeah. we start but anyway sorry mate go on carry on carry on uh, I'm sorry um on. you know you're one of the main reasons why i finally got off my ass and uh, started my own podcast last year and uh it's a real thrill a treat and an honor to be chatting to you again because obviously you were um a fantastic guest um a couple of months back uh, on the podcast and uh it's lovely to be chatting to you again so here we are you're you're, you're here solely on the strength of how enthusiastic you were about buffalo stance oh mate i'll take that any day of the week <laughs> <laughs> definitely well we'll talk about your podcast a little bit we should cool. just say before we go any further on this week's show we're going to be talking about some excellent new music a very very strong week for new music russian circles the spielbergs danger mouse and black thought and the interrupters plus you may have heard um everyone's been incredibly reasonable about it but you may have heard <laughs> that there's been a couple of cancellations for the reading and leeds festival which is coming up in a week or so's time i'm actually going to be going to reading this year so we're going to be kind of previewing the festival as gaz you have a bit of a a kind of long-standing relationship with Reading, much as I do. That's right, isn't it? Certainly do, certainly do. It was, uh, yeah, one of the many highlights of uh, of the 90s. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of yeah. Many Can we talk about the many 90s, highlights. please? Why not? <laughs> we probably will talk about the 90s quite a lot because we're going to be talking about the festival, how it's changed, and we're going to be talking about some of our own personal experiences and favourite moments from the festival. And speaking of festivals, I'll just segue nicely into our sponsors there which is happening if you are listening to this chances are you aren't going or you're you've got up very early to listen to this podcast but arctangent is happening i believe it's sold out now but still go to arctangent.co.uk forward slash tickets and you can probably get a ticket don't quote me on this but you might better get a ticket for atg 2023 because arctangent's happening this weekend it will be happening right now as the day this podcast goes out and it features as we've already said so far a somewhat spectacular lineup of post-rock post-metal and just interesting weird progressive music um gaz you ever been to art tangent before you got a thoughts on it as a festival i've never been i've always wanted to go you probably probably more as a result of the hard sell you've been doing over the last six months or so on the pod very hard sell. uh yeah you've, you've yeah. done a fantastic job mate um it's it sounds bloody great uh i must admit and the lineup this year is is ridiculous i'm assuming no one's pulled out like today not that i'm aware <laughs> right. of no <laughs> they haven't been replaced with i don't know fucking top loader or something <laughs> <laughs> hey steady on ste you're jumping the gun on the old feature at this point no nobody has pulled out there's been no outrage about the art tangent lineup everybody's going i believe nice. is incredibly happy with the lineup so yeah 
you know, <laughs> Opeth, Tesseract, and Co. Well, anyway, do you know what? The lineup's happening right now. So as you listen to this podcast, no point me going through what we already have gone through a lot, mm. which is a great lineup. But just want to say, um, let's hope it all goes really well and look forward to seeing you in 2023. Get money off your ticket with the code RIATACTG. It might be a code for, for 2023. Who knows who they're going to announce? I mean, we were talking about Russian circles in a bit. Mm. I tell you, there's chat about botch maybe getting back together. Shit, around, isn't there? Really? Yeah, I know. I mean, that'd be unbelievable. Ima- imagine that at eighty. That would be fucking brilliant. Mm. Um, also, I'm going to give a little shout out to our Patreon page, patreoncom forward slash podcast because you can basically sign up for free over there at the moment. They don't have to pay any money at all. You can sign up for an amount, but you won't be charged that amount. Um, so, if you want to sign up for the five pound amount, you've got classic albums from the likes of. Uh, me and Renfrey talking about Guns N' Roses, Pink Floyd, The Beatles, Weezer, Pixies, Depeche Mode, Nick Cave, Opeth, Gallows, James Addiction, System of a Down, Foo Fighters, Beastie Boys, Muse, Queens of Stone Age, Cave in Blur, Joy Division, Soundgarden, Ben Files 5, Gajira, Special, Smashing Pumpkins, Type of Negative, PJ Harvey, Meshuggah, Block Party, Pearl Jam, loads and loads and loads of stuff over there. You can sign up because at the moment nothing's really going out on there. So fill your boots and a few of you i have to say have been very very nice in saying that you will continue your payment anyway really that is unnecessary because if i'm not giving you any content for your money then i don't deserve the money is the way i look at it really so that's um that's what's happening i refuse to take your money uh i don't know if you've ever listened to any of our specials gaz i certainly have mate uh you were committed uh i i wasn't the good old days <laughs> <laughs> i see yeah it's fair enough you know, fair um, enough. um but yeah it's interesting what you say there about um like people not getting charged because i actually went on there today because i remember you saying on last week's pod that you know it was all going to be kind of free now it's kind of you know the, the anti bob geldoff don't give me your fucking money yes you know? exactly that yeah and yeah. Uh, yeah obviously i went on there and it still had like the you know the one pound tier and the five pound tier and i was like oh okay mm-hmm. and i was gonna ask you about that um today but obviously like you said you, you won't you get doorstepping me like roger cook yeah <laughs> <laughs> you stepping no, me I'm, I'm, more, I'm more like danny baker mate yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> right. the, the old doorstep challenge um fucking hell this is going to be well oh this, this is going to be so it? fucking niche <laughs> i love so, it no, if you are under the age of 32 see you later bye-bye um <laughs> Right, there's a few things that we should talk about. Obviously, the big one is Rage Against Machine at Reading. We're going to talk about that and focus on that a little bit more in a little bit. So we're going to leave that. Um, one thing I want to talk about, I shared this with you the other day and we were, I think we were both quite as enthusiastic and delighted with the picture that we saw, uh, both of us. Um, Depeche Mode or the members of Depeche Mode, Martin Gore and Dave Gahan, have recently shared a Instagram pic of the two of them working together in the studio that says finding stability in what we know and love and focusing on what gives us life, meaning and purpose. This comes only a few months after the very sad passing of Andy Fletcher. Um, Anyone who listens to the podcast on a regular basis knows how much I fucking adore Depeche Mode. Um, I know from being on your podcast and talking about Depeche Mode, you are a massive Depeche Mode fan as well. Um, What's your thoughts on on kind of what's happened with Andy and the aftermath and what you'd like to happen and what you kind of felt in seeing this picture? I mean, the picture gave me quite a bit of joy. Um, you know, obviously it's mm. that wonderful thing of finding solace in the thing that you love. Um, you know, insert band here that's had to go through, you know, horrendous tragedy. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's I think it's great. Obviously, you know, Depeche Mode are in that kind of top tier of bands where there's there's nothing left to prove. They're doing it for the love of music. And from a selfish point of view, I think it's great because the last album they did was it called Spirit? Was it Spirit yes. about three, four years ago, something like that? Mm-hmm. You know, um, fucking great. It was the best thing they'd done in a while, I think. And I, I'd love to hear what they do next. A big kind of a celebration of, of uh, Fletcher's life. Um, mm. And well, it, uh, uh, maybe there's a kind of tribute to him, like Allah Back in Black or something like that. Would be great, um, but obviously he was such an integral part of the band and the sounds. Um, could you see it going on any further than one last dance around the block? I, mean, I don't know. But. Well, I think you've, you've sort of, I think you've quite succinctly summed up something about the Pesh Mode in that first sentence, which is they really don't have anything left to prove. No, they don't. I mean, you know, kind of. Um, spirit and I mean Where's the Revolution was that single from that was fucking fantastic yeah, and I think yeah. Depeche Mode work really well when they've got so, a little bit of something to push against I think Spirit um, there was that dude from that alt-right dude who said Depeche Mode are the spiritual band of the alt-right and he said that and I think they made an album as if to go I think Dave Kahan called him a cunt I yeah. can't remember what the guy's name Richard Oh, rightfully so called anyway. him a cunt. <laughs> yes he's a, and he's a proper cunt as well and um and so they made that album in you know just on the, the like almost as a like as, as a fuck you to this guy and it's just one kind of throwaway little thing so i yeah. think between them when they get something when they get the bit between their teeth the pesh mode i think they're that's when they're at their best yeah definitely and i would love to hear a kind of a kind of ultra style sorrowed mm. lament and tribute towards Andy Fletcher. But I think for me, most importantly, it kind of denotes that we're going to get Depeche Mode live shows. And yeah. I think that, I yeah. mean, again, having seen the prodigy a couple of times recently okay. without Keith, yeah. uh, I think it's sort of a similar thing where, you know, I said it during the review, as long as Liam Howlett, is there yeah the prodigy can continue yeah they can but keith Flint is such an integral kind of centerpiece of the band he's the person you you looked at on so you know mm. who, who was the kind of person that everyone you know everyone knew what keith Flint looked like in the fire starter video yeah it, <laughs> i mean obviously i know that fletch was like, sort of like an integral part to depeche mode but you know it's not the same. You no, know, you're still looking at Dave Garhan, you know, live. Always, yeah, you know, yeah, always, of course. You know, yeah. one of the most magnetic frontman you could ever wish to think of. Um, but, yeah, like you say, I mean, Depeche Mode are on that list of bands that I haven't seen that I would love to see. Mm. And I know people mm. that have seen them and they said it's like, it was biblical, especially like back in the 90s and stuff. And if they do, and they, I'm sure they will tour. They can't not tour. Um, no. And I'll, I'll be there front and centre because this, this yeah, may be it. This probably be the final time, you know. And it's I, probably... Well, I don't know if it would be the final time, but I think it. When these tours come around, when they when bands lose someone, I mean that was the point of going to see the Prodigy twice. I was like, Prodigy don't strike me as a band who will go. We're gonna kind of lean on this grief um, for too long. It is just like let's celebrate his life and then we move on as a band. And I feel that Depeche Mode will probably do something similar to that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think they'll continue to kind of bring it up again a bit like like slayer i know slayer's tribute to jeff hanneman was 
very very small when he died and then it was just sort of never mentioned again um and that's you know that's what just how some bands deal with stuff but i think it will be a special bunch of shows those first shows when they come back i think definitely. they will I, I can definitely see them i mean how rad would it be to have i don't know depeche mode doing the legend slot of glastonbury next year do you know what i mean or something like that or even fucking headlining it they're big enough to head, they're, they big, they're big it. enough to headline glastonbury that'd be fucking incredible i think yeah yeah i mean i they are they are one of the few kind of um true legendary bands of a certain stature from that era yeah. who haven't headlined glastonbury so i think that's a fucking great shout a great shout and they're definitely big enough i mean they're doing arenas all over the planet like they're big enough definitely so yes i mean it's an odd one but i depeche mode back in the studio and seeing those two guys continue to work that does make me happy and Same. i mean yeah mate i'll be next to you down the front yeah, right. screaming my head off yeah and crying crying at the same time <laughs> just losing <laughs> losing control of every bodily function absolutely that is what i want to do um anyway before we go any further we'll talk about some albums in a second but gaz let's talk about your podcast all right mate so um it's called track one side one Mm. give the people uh a little bit of um a kind of a sell on what you do who you've had on it what the kind of genesis of it is what you put it together for how it's been going just a little sort of okay promo package if you like well when would it have been like i mean i've always been an absolute nerd music obsessive i was always kind of like obsessed with lists and countdowns even from being much younger um than i am now because i'm an old git Uh, um but it the kind of genesis i think came from when i I went to the cinema to see high fidelity in when when was that 2000 2001 Uh, and and like you know the whole kind of top five um and i think what yeah like one of the lists in it i mean you know i, I basically completely nicked um john cusack's quote and and chucked it in my opening <laughs> opening uh um like kind of jingle and stuff because uh well fuck it why not what are they gonna do <laughs> um and it's you know one of the lists he did is a uh, top five uh track one side one like album opening tracks and mm-hmm. i always thought that was quite a, a quite an interesting list because it's not about your favourite bands. It's not about your favourite albums. It's about what makes a great opening track. Sometimes an, an all-time classic opening track can be on a really shit album, but that opening track is so mm. fucking unbelievable. Um, and that's what it's all about. And in, in many ways, as as, uh, as the podcast has kind of progressively done, I think I've done about, I don't know, nearly 40 episodes now. Um, it's It's more about the kind of stories uh, uh, behind like, the, like as in like did, how they discovered this band and all, you know all, all this kind of stuff and in, in regards to like people I've had on um, uh, I had Gizbutt uh, from Prodigy uh, or mm-hmm. ex-Prodigy present Jaina Stark um, I've had uh, Andy Cairns from uh, the greatest band of all Therapy. time Therapy that would be the one yeah right. yeah yeah <laughs> I, I tried so hard to hold my shit together. Thank fuck it wasn't a video chat. It was only audio, I'm, I, you know, which I, you know, I was really glad about. Because Andy's... He's good. Andy, like, Andy so is nice. fucking lovely. And, yeah. Um, yeah um, like, he was set up by a good friend of mine. And, um, he, um, like, a few weeks later, he he was down at... Um, is it, what's the festival in Wales? Steelhouse Festival? One of those. 
yeah. like, like rock festivals. And uh, he was down there interviewing therapy. And he, he texts me going, oh, Andy Cairns was just saying how much of a lovely guy you are and how glad he was to be in your podcast. I'm like, what the fuck? This is mad. This is the guy <laughs> that wrote fucking Scream Age I'm nothing to him. What the hell? You know. Um, but like, uh, who else have I had? I'd like um, uh, two members of uh, Symposium, which was fucking glorious. Um, uh, especially like uh, well, I had Wojciech the bassist last year on season one and then this year um, had Ross Cummins the singer and mm-hmm. we kind of timed the release of the podcast for the day that they said they were getting back together which was mate literally everybody I know even together, Symposium um, and like, I went down to like the Q&A that they did down at um, I don't know some hipster brewery place in Shoreditch uh, under like railway arches, I can't remember what it's fucking called now, but um, yeah, it was like Phil Alexander doing a Q and A with all the guys from Symposium, and it was like this room could not be any more nineties. <laughs> it was <laughs> fucking wonderful. It was lovely, and yeah. um, like, Ross is an absolute sweetheart. And um, yeah, like f- future episodes, we've got uh, uh, talking about ni- niche nineties bands. We've got Richard from Midget. Hey, wow, fuck me! I, I know about Midget for fucking. I don't even know if I thought about him in the nineties. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, but Jesus, yeah, midget. Yeah, because because Richard plays um, guitar and Jonas Stark now with Giz. Uh, They're uh, a good band, by the way. Jonas Jonas Stark, who again, young people, sorry about this. Yeah, but uh, Jonas Stark are actually that, that that one album they put out on Earache back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, great, a great, cigar great, event. great, cigar great cigar adventure, great cigar adventure. Yeah, the cigar one. They've just yeah. they've just released their third album, and it's fucking great. It's really it? good. It's really well, fucking good. Who saw that coming? I know. Um, mate, I, again, another band I hadn't thought about for a very, very long time, but that's cool, man. Yeah, man. It's, you know, I had the drummer from Curb Dog, basically loads of 90s guests. If you're in your kind of early <laughs> to mid 40s, you'll find some good shit in there. So um, I'm on, you know, just, I'm on all Instagram and Twitter and all that. Uh, wherever you get your positive search, you track one side on my podcast and um, yeah, enjoy. It's good, and I very much enjoyed going on there. I think I said at the time, you were like, how, how hard was it to pick your tracks? Yeah. And I just went, I just picked the first five things yeah. that came into my head, to be honest. I'm sorry about that if I didn't really No, no, them. no, it was great. I it was great because you picked fucking Buffalo Stance, and I, I lost my shit. Right. when you picked, I was like, oh, my God. Thank you. Yeah. So that's good that, that was going to be one of mine. When I the day I asked you to do this, I went to the gym and I think I texted you. This is like yeah. how my this is how my brain works at the moment with putting this podcast together. I went to the gym and listened to Buffalo Stance five times on the tr- on the bounce Wonderful. because I was like, I just love this fucking song so much. And then I just sort of texted you and went, just come on the podcast. And it was purely because I was like, who else will I be able to mention this song to yeah. in a week's time? And you know, you're the man. I'm, you're the man. You're the man, Gaz. Uh, anyway, so there, yeah, yeah, I, I can thoroughly recommend the podcast it is very good track one side one um maybe start with my episode <laughs> yeah why not like. why not uh, why not why not indeed <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. definitely start with my... yeah get never never get a you know failure to to big yourself up while you're doing damn, these things damn you? right you've got a self-promote as well um all right let's talk before we get onto the whole kind of reading um fandango let's talk about a couple of records that have been coming out and are about to come out, or have just come out today, if you're listening to this podcast, the deck comes out. Um, I'm going to start with Russian Circles. So, Gnosis. Is it called? It's, it's Gnosis, but I think it's pronounced Gnosis. Uh, Gnosis is the eighth studio album from the Chicago post-metal band, the follow-up to 2019's Blood Year, which Renfrey and I actually did review on the show a couple of years ago when it came out. I thought it was pretty good, but I have to say, it was nothing that I felt was really, truly special. And... I'm going to sort of fess up that 
I am a at best kind of casual fan of Russian circles, really. You know, I think they're cool, and they have Brian Cook, formerly of the aforementioned Botch and These Arms of Snakes, in the band, um, formerly or currently of These Arms of uh, Snakes, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, because uh, they're back together as well. Um, and I always thought that they were cool, but in terms of the stuff that Brian Cook has done, I would say it's kind of not my favourite stuff of his, purely because of the genre that exists in. And I did think that nine albums in, I wouldn't really be too excited by a new Russian Circles album. But we'll get to the bite in a minute. Uh, Gaz, Russian Circles, what's your relationship with them? You a fan? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of discovered them, I don't know, about 10, 15, no, probably not that long, maybe about 10, 12 years ago. Um, uh, the drummer in the band I was in, um, we were very much kind of like sort of sludgy, kind of post-rocky kind of stuff. And you knew I loved, loved like Isis and botch and stuff like this a bit converge and stuff and he was like oh have you heard of russian circles i was like nah nah he was like dude ch check him out he sent me like a load of youtube links of like these gigs they were doing on, in a street somewhere in chicago or something i was like man this is incredible he was like yeah check out the album geneva and it fucking floored me mm. absolutely floored me um re recently i mean i don't know i mean it kind of goes with the whole kind of instrumental post-rock scene in general really for me it it got a bit vanilla because it's very kind of i don't know if it's they've kind of like constricted themselves and it, all the bands kind of sounded the same um and the last few russian circles albums I mean, you know they've been they've been good but nowhere near as good as as geneva that's still the one for me that is a great record yeah, yeah. and i think you know you're you're kind of right to say um uh, it's something that I feel and have felt for a while, really, that that, that kind of, that scene um, of this sort of post-metal, particularly the post-instrumental post-metal stuff, I think it's hard to do anything too unique with it at this point. Like, it's really hard to do anything that, you know, hasn't been done a lot. And they a lot of them do tend, to, I think it does, they, they get fairly identical. Saying that... Um, I actually really like Guidance in 2016. Yeah. Maybe it's because um, I hadn't listened to the two previous ones. And I think when you don't listen to it a lot, it can come back in. You go, oh, wow, yeah. actually, they are really good. Because the thing about Russian Circles is is that they are really good. Like, oh. They are really good at this thing. Yeah, right? they are. They do this thing, and they're bloody good at it. Yeah. Um, and I think this, this album, I kind of... I. I was like, we can cover it. I'm not sure. Maybe we should cover it. You know, it's like something I think people would be interested in. But, you know, everyone knows it's not ex particularly like the thing that I am passionate about at the minute. Um, but here they sound a lot edgier and angrier and harsher. And there's something about this. Right? This is not yeah. my imagination, is it? This no. is a nastier sounding record, right? Yeah, no, completely. Um, I think the nastier bits are nastier. The heavier bits are heavier. And the kind of melodic bits are more kind of melodic there's a real kind of i don't know like a dynamic sensibility on this album mm. that that they haven't done in a long long time mm. yeah i agree i mean it started with the first, so the first song was called uh tupilac and i was like oh it's this yeah this is the thing yeah. that it is and i thought oh this is quite good but it sort of sounds like what i expect it to sound like and I think it's fairly kind of that opening to me was a fairly sort of Russian circles by numbers, even if I thought, well, it's actually, it's pretty good, but it's fairly Russian circles by numbers. And then the second song, Conduit comes in. 
and it's got like it sounds like creator or something yeah like it's got yeah. a threat it's a fucking thrash riff yeah. and the thing with a lot of these bands i always find is you tend to get a lot of like very expansive it's got sandy dusty desert you know expanse and you know big chords and like sort of chunky riffs on these albums but this feels like it's going for something tighter and tauter and more precise and you don't always get that with the post metal stuff as much i don't think unless no. you know someone can point me in the right direction of it but certainly this feels a bit more kind of extreme metal with no harsh vocals than post metal i thought yeah i think yeah yeah certainly in places um it's just the, the locked in groove it's it's almost i don't know like it's so on the money like I'm a dead drummer. Is it uh, Dave uh, Turncrantz? I think his name is. Um, like hands down, one of the most underrated drummers around for me. There's so much yeah. kind of in the pocket kind of groove when him and the bass player just lock in, but it's all just so kind of incredibly tight. Like, some kind of post rock stuff can be a bit kind of loose and a bit flabby, which is mm. fine. That's cool, but. I think maybe that's why I always thought Russian Circles were the best at it because they were all just absolutely kind of locked in mm. um, with this groove and the way the kind of like pay, like like the um, the drums kind of like turn on a dime to go from, go from like the half time and it'll go to like the swing bit and then all of a sudden it would like it almost there was like one I can't remember which tune it is but it's like it goes from like sort of shimmering shoegaze into like full on kind of blast beats. You know, betrayal, I reckon. Yeah, is. yeah, betrayal. This is yeah. the second, second to last yes, song, and it yeah, goes, yeah, yeah. like I mean, it, again, because I, I was listening to the first half of that, and I was like, oh, you know, it's sort of building to something, but then they always sort of build to something. So I was like, this is good, but it's not blowing me away. And then they must ratchet through about five gears. Yeah, if it, if yeah. the first sort of four minutes they go from gear one to gear two, the last ninety seconds they go from gear two to gear six, and they ratchet it up, and like when it gets more riffy and thrashier and more brutal and like you say they keep bringing in these little very very sharp rhythmic turns there's nothing sort of it's quite it's i like how constricting i mean we're talking about the kind of the idea of post metal being quite a constrictive genre but i think it's quite a kind of constricted sound and i think it's better for it it's like it's it's tight and it's precise rather than being kind of airy and you know there's there's no kind of echo on those parts no. i think you know obviously there are bits on it the, the, the song before it's called um oh brainonian which is a sort of little interlude bit but it just makes everything else sound heavier when they're yeah. really heavy on this it sounds heavier because the quiet bits are super fucking quiet um and you know the last song bloom is it's incredible shoegazy best song of the album i think it's yeah yeah proper shoe guys yeah i love that yeah. that intro is oh it's just shimmering beauty absolutely gorgeous mm. yeah very very good like very ethereal and i i think by making the heavy bits so i mean you said it you know it, it it's a shit cliche to go it sounds heavier but more melodic or whatever you know what i mean <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's the worst thing you can say about yeah. anything but i think in, in this particular instance because the heavy bits are they're not just like crush like there's different types of heavy in there there's and post-rock i always think oh it's going to be crushing and like it's going to be weighty but this is like stabby and you know thrashy yeah. and you know harsh you know kind of spittle fueled and actually very very aggressive and in a sort of 
fronting up to you kind of way rather than a sort of stand back with your arms wide going arms oh, <laughs> yeah uh and it just makes it much better i think for for having that um yeah i think this is surprisingly good yeah this record i mean i went on a bit of a journey with it yeah on so. first listen i was like it's all right and then i was like actually there's loads of other stuff that's yeah. going on with it yeah and then i sort of went back and i was like yeah but it's not perfect and now i'm sort of going back to about actually even the bits i don't think are perfect are actually really good yeah for me i mean uh, since you since you sent me this album um last weekend um listening to it and kind of absorbing it and stuff um but do you know what's made it sound even better over the last couple of days is the fact we've had rain and it's gone really grey and shitty outside again. That has helped, yeah. <laughs> It's been really... This is the last yeah. album I want to listen to in a fucking heatwave. <laughs> well, mate, I tried... When it was like hot, 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 that fucking Imperial Triumphant album came out and I was just like, I'm not listening to this. No. <laughs> I'm not listening to this while the, like, you know, my door melts off its hinges. No, 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 it's too much. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. I'm glad you're... Uh, was this sort of where would you stick this in terms of where it sits in their discography like near geneva being the top one how far off geneva do you think it is it's pretty close for me um yeah. i mean i've listened to it a lot this week um it's not mm. the one i've listened to the most spoiler but okay. <laughs> um um but it's the best thing they've done in years. And it's kind of made me fall back in love with Russian circles again, which I genuinely never thought I'd ever say, <laughs> right. you know, you know, yeah. I'm, I'd be That's great. I, yeah. It's kind of sent me back into listening to post rock again, this kind of stuff. And more, not, not just kind of post, but like, like instrumental stuff. Like it made me want to go and listen to come to burn again and stuff like that. Right, you yeah. know, you know? <laughs> I did yeah. just getting bulldozed with riffs. <laughs> yeah i mean the thing is is that like undeniably i think i you know because i can be a bit like ah you know i don't need this and it's like yeah it's all done, been done and blah 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 but when bands get it right yeah and they just go you are having this horrible riff and you're just gonna get it like in your knackers <laughs> needing yeah. the knackers over and over again by this riff it's it's lovely stuff absolutely lovely stuff and i think this is one of the better records at doing this and it's short as well yep do you know what i mean it's not that long is it what is yeah. it like four odd minutes yeah they about that yeah perfect yeah. perfect perfect timing i like yeah. it a lot yeah same. i'd give this and this i don't normally rate stuff out of 10 but i think this is like this would be pushing an eight for me which i think for a band like this an instrumental post metal band is pretty good yeah i think so see you go metal hammer i'm gonna go kerrang i'll give it four k's okay fine yeah four k's <laughs> Oh, it's definitely, definitely, definitely a 4K album. Yeah. Uh, that's Gnosis by Russian Circles. It is out today. If you're listening to this podcast, the day it comes out, as is the next album we're going to talk about. Uh, Vestly. Is that how you say that? Vestly. It's V-A-S-T-L-I. Because so I was like, oh, is it Vestal? And then the L and the I around the other way. So I'm not actually sure. But anyway, it's a new album by the Spielbergs. You got any idea how you say that word? Well, no, because like you, I'm a classically ignorant Brit, so I, don't, yeah. I can't Who speak. I can't speak Norwegian, unfortunately. I wish I could. Yes, I can't either. Um, it is the second album from the Norwegian alternative rock band Spielberg's follow up to their excellent 2019 album. This is not the end, which I thought was going to make my top 20 albums of 2019, but it was very, very early on in the year. Hmm. It ended up not doing that. It just was one that kind of fell off a little bit that year, but. 
I jumped the gun a bit, yeah, admittedly. But I think what I said in that review at the time was I loved it because, I mean, you know, we're going to compare this to a lot of stuff from the 90s, I think. This is a kind of curb doggy, sugar, Bob Mould, alt-rock kind of thing, but with a little bit of a Scandi rock sprinkle on top. It was amazing. Um, this, Gaz, knowing what I know you like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go on a limb here and say that you enjoyed this record. Oh my God, I fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean you, you were saying um, um, Spielberg's debut um, just missed out on your top 20 albums of the year. This was my album of the year. Right, okay, wow. Yeah, it didn't leave... Um, I'm going to say my CD player. Chill out, granddad. Uh, you know, my <laughs> my streaming audio device. Um, yes. You know, for virtually all the year and I just just didn't get bored of it I mean like you said I mean, it's, it's a proper bit of me there's you know when I first heard Spielberg's I think it was um, I think it was Steve Lamack played I think it was We Are Going To Die like mm. like probably a year before the album came out I think they had an EP out like the year before I think mm. um, it was called Distant Star EP something like that um, and it absolutely floored me because I was just like oh my god they just they sound like the 90s they sound like, like you know, there's there's Wild in there. There's a bit of early Biffy, like Jimmy Eat World. Um, there's a bit of like this Swerve Driver kind of shoegazy rock stuff, but like loads of Get Up Kids. It's like if Get Up Kids had come from Norway with some of the, some of those kind of choruses and stuff and the shimmering melodies. And I like a, a good friend of mine, and um, um, he was um, uh, a fairly recent guest on the uh, on my podcast, a guy called James Parrish. He set up. Um, uh, his own uh, his own record label for the sole reason to get this album released. Uh, sorry, their, their first album was released in the UK. Right, yeah. Yeah, by, by the well, I didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Yeah, uh, so, hello, hello, James. Thanks for the vinyl, by the way, mate. Thanks. Nice one. <laughs> yeah, well, th thanks for. I'm assuming mine got lost in the post, James. But that's yeah, that's yeah. Really fine. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, you're you're spot on, and it's funny that actually there's stuff on here that you've just mentioned. Yeah like the Get Up Kids, like Jimmy Eat World, like Biffy Clyro, that I think might not like be completely obvious at first. On no. first listen, you'd go, oh, it's more like kind of, you know, Nirvana-y or Sonic Youth-y kind of, or like, you know, Sugar and that kind of stuff. But there are those little kind of weird angular guitar parts and then there are those big Scandi rock kind of like the helicopters or something yeah, that come definitely. in the parts. And they've got this weird mix of like old school Revelation Records emo plus the like sort of sleaze garage rock revival of the late 90s with just classic grunge, like almost pre-grunge mud honey. And do you know what I mean? And it, it feels like they managed to just squirt a little pipette of all of those things into one massive pot and it never really dilutes who they are as a band i thought the last album was really good really really good i think album of the year obviously it didn't make that big an impact on me but it was very very good went back and listened to it before we started doing this one and i was like yeah fuck i was like fuck i'd forgotten about some of these songs and they're just fucking great i think this is like do i think it's better i think it's way more accomplished Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. They they've taken the best bits from the first album and kind of distilled it into this more kind of succinct, like sound. They know what their sound is now. I think with this album, 
Um, and it's, yeah. it sounds so confident to me. The way it just flies out the traps with that massive kind of Bob Mould riff um, mm. on the first on the first track. It's and and, it, and I, I would say I mean, it's, not, it's it's not more kind of varied, but like there's I mean there's that bit where it goes from um, the track uh, "There Is No Way Out." which finishes in that kind of glorious kind of piano falling down the stairs kind of mess. And mm-hmm. then it just stops dead and goes straight into the like kind of borderline classical instrumental track called Goodbye. And it's just like, mm. uh, but it just works. It just yeah. works. And then uh, that four song run after Goodbye, um, like me, me and my friends, you know, after I got over the disappointment of it not being a Chili Peppers cover, um like all all the way through to george mcfly it's it's like those four tracks could be like the greatest songs the get up kids never wrote it's like something to write home about era get up kids for me it's that good they are fucking brilliant those songs i mean george mcfly is i think kind of like the knack or the cars like 80s power pop done with a band just way more fuzzed up yeah. me and my friends again i mean it matches sound like again scandy rock ash yeah with annual nurse by the trailer dead yeah. and it's just and it comes after like you say a literal instrumental piano string ballad where that just you go well how's that gonna work it's fucking that's absolutely nuts and you know i th- there are a couple of curveballs on this record. Again, you can be yourself with me. The last song, I assume we're going to get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that song is, uh, I, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. That yeah. song, I think. Yeah. I think it it manages to sound simultaneously like Pavement, <laughs> yeah. Kings of Leon, Nirvana, and My Bloody Valentine, mm. and yet also sound like the sort of thing that would have been played on the radio f- between. 1988 and 2007 yeah yeah and yet it's eight minutes long as well yeah it's it's a fucking great song it's, it's a, a great song incredible way for an album to finish you know especially, yeah. especially when no none of the previous kind of 10 or 11 songs were over like three minutes <laughs> you know yeah there's not really a hint that that's going to happen i mean no, i suppose you could all. say that you know goodbye is a little hint that something else is going to happen but to me it's like uh very very because i saw it and i was like oh was it going to be like like a secret track yeah at the end of it? they're going to do like yeah, a kind of endless thought. nameless or something yeah, like what's what going thought. on yeah yeah and they don't no it, it's, it's very impressive yeah absolutely this album floored me i've been looking forward to it um since um i heard i'd read like rumors and things like that, that they were going to be recording some new stuff like last year. I think they did a lot of this like through lockdown, and mm. um, I've been looking forward to it for ages. And like, I remember like our conversation last weekend when we were talking about what albums um, to review um, mm. um, today. And um, I'm so glad that uh, I was just like, yeah, I'll tell you what comes out next Friday: the new Spielbergs. And, I've got to uh, say, yeah. shout out you. This yeah. was this was. I, I this like. I've been sent this and I didn't actually make the connection it was out this week and then you brought to me the connection it was out and I was like oh well we should absolutely do that because that last record was fucking excellent and um, 
yeah, I think this is. I mean, do I like it more having lasted listened to the last? I, I think I probably do. I think I probably do like it more. But whether or not I prefer it, because I thought the last one was just pure bangers, and there's definitely more to this. I mean, look, you know, don't get me wrong. This has got absolute bangers on here as well. I mean, yeah. New Year's Resolution, yeah. Every Living Creature. Um, you know, you mentioned me and my friends already. Like, there's, there's songs on here that sound gigantic. Yep. But there's also like quite a lot more to it as well. Yeah, there is. And I think it takes a, it like weirdly took me a couple of listens to get for a band who sounds now I listen to it and I'm like it just sounds so fucking instantaneous. Yeah. yeah. But it did take me a couple of listens just to be able to go. God, there's a lot going on here. Mm. There? There's yeah, a same. lot of different shit. Yeah, same. I mean, there's there's more kind of I think there's more nuance and but there's a lot more, there's more confidence on this album. Um, and I, I love the fact that. I think the first time I listened through it, I was just like, oh, oh, it was just like, I don't know, having like, I don't know, a couple of cans of Red Bull or something. It was just like, oh, instant, fuck. This is, yeah, this is, this is amazing. I feel brilliant. And then like the more times I've listened to it, you kind of get beneath those layers. It's almost like they put that almost like white noise hum so far high in the mix, real trebly kind of guitars. The vocals are kind of like almost lost in some of it, which I love. I love the fact that the vocals aren't front and center and that you can't quite make out what he's saying some of the time, which is awesome. Um, but each kind of like subsequent listen, you kind of sort of peel away the layers and you just hear just sun-kissed melodies and perfect, perfect summer indie rock tunes for me. And I, I'm not sure what's going to beat this well it was certainly like instant top three album of the year for me already really yeah and I'm, I'm you know I, I think it's still going to be pretty damn high come the end of the year because I fucking adore this band yeah they are great they are really great I mean this I was like how the fuck did I not pay more attention to the fact that this record was coming out and I feel like a dick because I mean thank <laughs> god you're on this week to be honest mate because if you weren't yeah, it might yeah. pass me by yeah. and I was like I fucking love their last album yeah. and then just sort of forgot about it all but then and then you know like yeah this is really good i mean this is really good if you're one of the people who you know if you're from the kind of school of 90s alt rock bands that we've mentioned and you love that great i think if you like to get up kids all the way up to menzingers and hold steady i think you'll fucking have a lovely time yeah even even, well even bands like the hotelier maybe is a little bit the hotelier Hotelier, you know like i mean you mentioned biffy and jimmy world i think even if you like the kind of biffies and jimmy worlds and stuff like that of, of that world then you will enjoy this band as well I'd even go as far as to be like, you know, if you like shit, like, I mean, who who likes the Datsuns now? I'm not sure. But um, I, I, do. Kind I, of... I do. I really like the first yeah, album. <laughs> I do as well, yeah. I, I, but... saw, I, saw them in, I saw them in a little pub in Cambridge about 20 years ago. They were fucking amazing. They were <laughs> anyway. a fucking good live yeah, band, that yeah, band. Were, yeah. But there was, I mean, you know, anyway, insert garage rock, yeah. you know, hipstery garage rock band here. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you like them, you'll probably like that as well. Uh, this is just a very, very good album. Undeniably a good record. When songs like this are done well and written well, it's a it's a beautiful thing. So, um, yeah. Potential album of the year for you, is it? Definitely. Definitely. Nice. Definitely. All right. It's called Vestley, I think. And it's by <laughs> the Spielbergs. It's out now. <laughs> That's right, right? I'll take that, mate. I'd, I'd, rather okay. you, I'd rather you say that than me. 
yeah, I, I think I think that's what it's called. Um, also, uh, this came out last week, but I want, definitely wanted to do it. Um, Danger Mouse and Black Thought Cheat Codes, a collaboration between the superstar producer Danger Mouse and the Philadelphian rap legend and founder member of The Roots, Black Thought. So, um, just on paper alone, this is really fucking exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Like you were saying that Spielberg's kind of passed you by, this kind of passed me by until mm. you said about it. And I was like, oh my God, of course. Yes. Yeah. Well, I actually, I mean, I didn't listen to it the day that it came out. And I should say, shout out Sam. Sam Slight, who's been on the show last month, um, texted me and he was like, have you listened to this yet? And I was like, oh shit, no, I haven't. And he was like, you've got to get on this <laughs> right away. And yeah. I was like, oh yeah, of course. And then um, I did. And immediately I was like, well, look, like for me i was like we have to fucking review this um just for a little background um apparently one of danger Mouse's best friends um uh stole do you want more by the roots in 1995 for him and he loved it so much that it made him want him to get him wanted to get into music and now here he is with a long-awaited collaboration which has been like over a decade in the longer than that i think yeah I think, yeah, maybe even longer than, yeah, I think it is long. I think it's like 2009 or something they've been talking about. It. Yeah, something like that. I think the fact yeah. that the Roots became Jimmy Fallon's band, in-house uh, band, yeah, help, yeah, put the Kai Bosch on um, it for a little bit. But, I mean, you know, this is a collaboration with someone's hero, so I think already you're going to go, well, there's going to be a lot of love shown to, you know, um, or a lot. there's a lot of mutual appreciation between the two of them. And if you also add in the mad selection of contributors <laughs> from like yeah. Raekwon, Run the Jewels, Michael Kiwanuka, MF Doom, just to mention a few, like, damn, this is just on paper before I even press play. I was like, fucking hell, surely this is going to be good. And <sighs> I, I mean, I absolutely love this. I just absolutely fucking love this record so much it's incredible uh it's just the most beautiful lovely old school letter love letter to kind of classic hip-hop and soul um as soon as the first track sometimes comes in it it just sounds glorious those old soul samples kind of reimagined by danger mouse and when you get an mc who is just so kind of dexterous and the way the way that black thoughts words just seem to effortlessly kind of flow out of him it, it, you, you listen to it's like you go fucking this is like a a kind of like a beautiful painting or something you <laughs> don't want to touch i don't want to yeah. touch it do you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah, it yeah. just feels so like so much love and care and attention just it almost feels fragile how kind of perfect it is to me do you know what i mean could you call it like dad rap i mean it's so kind of re- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's so resolutely and almost refreshingly old school i mean you can practically smell the mustiness of the crate mm. digging in some dark dingy shitty little second record store on the lower east side or something mm. you know you can hear the crackles um you know the warm kind of vinyl sample and those soul samples and like i said you know the that MF Doom track, man, it sounds like something that he, I don't know, that was recorded about 20 years ago and all of a sudden he just found it on his hard drive. Mm. And it's, it's unbelievable. You know, for me, you know, I'm not a big Run the Jewels fan. 
at all. I think they're kind of really? insanely overrated. When, wow. when, when anyone says to me, do you like Run the Jewels? It's like, no, go and listen to the Four Owls. They're much better. Right, okay. There you, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, even even Run the Jewels couldn't spoil this album for me. <laughs> but I think the, I think the Run yeah. the Jewels song is the only time where this album deviates from uh what it does into sounding it's the, i think it's the only time run the jewels i think to give that i don't know if you want to give them credit or blame here i think run the jewels are the only artists on it who go well let's just do one of our songs because it does kind of turn into that big boomy yeah, kind of run yeah. the jewels thing doesn't it as opposed to you know like you say i mean so i did think that that, that song kind of stood out i mean i have spoken about how much i enjoy run the jewels i think they're great so i've got absolutely no problem with that at all you've also got um asap rocky on it as well yeah on that song as well and i think you know like it, it is good and it's got a bit more threat to it than the rest of the record you know it's not a yeah. very threatening it's not a no. threatening record it kind of feels like uh, i mean you know I, belize with mf doom which you yeah. mentioned oh. i mean we've Wonderful. been calling what well, we've sort of been calling it like bond theme music yeah you yeah. know and i mean fuck a thick skin i got an exoskeleton uh, when he like some of his lyrics on it, and when he mentions every different kind of publisher who publishes dictionaries, yeah. it's like <laughs> fucking hell! Like this is you're just yeah. so fucking cool. Um, I would also say Michael Kiwanuka, Kiwanuka, sorry, he's that kind of deep, soulful, almost sort of dreamlike vocal that he puts on Aquamarine, which sounds so good alongside Black Thoughts. He's kind of charged urgent rhymes that he puts next to it like you get such a kind of you know so i think so many of the guests do so much great stuff on this i mean kid sister sounds amazing with raekwon on the on the darkest part like again you know you said to it like this just it smells of yeah musty kind of records and yeah. weathered crunkled cardboard yeah. sleeves and just you know it just sort of feels like the past a lot of it doesn't it, it feels like a kind of yeah. a relic but a kind of updated no completely and it, you know the relic. fact that like i think barely anyone on this album is under the age of 30 years old which is uh, <laughs> again it is it, it's quite i don't know it it just this whole album just feels like an absolute breath of fresh air and a scene that's kind of full of you know trap and grime and mm. um and all it, it, just I haven't heard some. I haven't announced so long that's, that she used all those kind of vintage samples and the break beats and stuff like this. And it just sounds very, I don't know, kind of almost analog, but in a beautiful kind of, not in a pretentious way, just in a very kind of real way. They've almost made a hip hop album like they used to make hip hop albums. It's true. It's true. I mean, you know, I think there's. <sighs> There's so many nods to shit like, you know, did I, I was reminded of DJ Shadow. Yeah, hugely. Um, yeah. I was reminded even of, even, you know, the, there's a song called Saltwater on it. And I even thought having done a big sort of dis, discography deep dive on Portazel over the last year or so and listened to a lot of Portazel, I was like, there's even bits like the kind of the more threatening third album yeah. era yeah. sort of Portazel stuff on it. Um, 
I was going to say, oh, the, Killer Mike, there's a line where he says, I'll pop you with the same pistol that they pop Reagan with. And I was like, that's up there with that line from Dan Rodeo. If I said, that's up there with, I'm rolling Dan Rodeo with a shotgun. Like, so I was yeah, like, yeah. that's fucking brilliant. But yeah, man, I mean, you know, look, this record, I think it's going to be one of those ones where I think, what did you call it? Dad? Dad hop? Well, it's like it's like dad. I mean, it's kind of you know like dad rap. It's like I don't know. Dad rap. It's like it. dad, you know. It's kind of like I don't know, like like the sixth Rocky film. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. If you want, yeah, to, I guess if, you, so. if you want a bit of a shit metaphor, but um, just so, yeah, so, someone kind of like so, you know, incredibly like almost resolutely old school. Mm. You know. Yeah. Co- co- come, comes back into this changed world and it had no right to be as good as that film was yeah it's you true know? and I it mean, was almost refreshingly so mm, yeah you i know? agree i mean you know like i put this on and i tell you I put, after i put it on and i sent it to you and i was like i think you know knowing sort of when we were talking about like 80s hip-hop and whatnot yeah. on, on your podcast before i was like i think you'll really like this and again merlin mm. who um former editor of metal hammer i, I was like mel You've got to listen to this. You'll love this. He'd fucking and he was love like, it. Oh, I'll put it on. And he put it on. He was just like, oh, I fucking love this. And I think if you are into, you know, that, if you grew up in that era and yep. the first time you heard hip hop was, was that thing. And you kind of, yeah, you're right. This is the one when, when kind of rock fans go, well, hip hop's no good anymore. Or people yeah. like, you yeah. know, people like be- bemoan the kind well, of, I'll put my hand up here, mate. You know, um, yeah, I've, I've done it. It's, but it's so refreshing to kind of hear something like completely out of the blue. Mm. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, but you know, um, I, my girlfriend's played me some, some incredible trap stuff, some incredible grime stuff. There's some amazing stuff out there, you know, more punk rock than anything that kind of classes itself as punk rock these days. Um, but to hear something that's so kind of from a, from a, from a different time in 2022, mm-hmm. especially in hip hop, that just comes over and gives me a big hug and goes, all right, me old son, have a listen yeah. to this. I think you'll dig this. And it was, it was, I've had the best time listening to this album this past week. It's been wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you know, does it do anything particularly new? Not necessarily. No, it's got an absolutely fucking awesome MC. Yeah. It's got a brilliant producer. Yeah. They are, like you say, they are pulling out really amazing samples and doing cool as fuck stuff with it. All the guests sound great. I am, I'm so in on this. Yeah, same. Same. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Good, good, good. There you go. Cheat Codes by Danger Mouse and Black Thought. That came out last week. And the week before that, we could have maybe done it last week. We didn't get around to it. But I wanted to do this because, again, like, I think this album's really good. In the Wild by The Interrupters, the fourth album from the, are we going to call them Scar Revivalists? Yeah, for better or for worse, yeah. <laughs> I think we have to do it, The Scar Revivalists, yeah. the follow-up to 2018's very good fight the good fight. Four albums in for The Interrupters. I think all three prior to this record have been very very good um gaz uh, you and i again mentioned in your podcast wax lyrical about rancid when i came on your show Certainly so did. i'm wondering i'm wondering if you feel the same way about this band as i do i mean you know what if, if i was 18 right and i was and i was a regular at slam dunk they'd probably be my favorite bands <laughs> yeah you know um I mean, you know, yes, it's a, a complete kind of riff on on Brody Dahl, but 
what a fucking set of pipes. And I mean, yeah. Ra- Raised by Wolves, I think is a classic. I think that's a wonderful mm. kind of rock club banger. Um, I mean, it's, it's a perfect kind of summer album, you know, makes me want to drink, you know, questionable white cider and play football in the park, you know, jumpers for goalposts <laughs> and all that mm. shit. Um, it ticks all the boxes, you know, you've got the sky rhythms, you've got the fist pumping choruses, you've got the r- rancid kind of pilfering. Um, I think the productions, I, th- I think if it had a more kind of gnarly production, I think I'd like it more. I see, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a fair shout. I mean, what I would say in, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the interrupter's defence lawyer, but if I was, <laughs> if I was the interrupter's defence lawyer, to that I would say, well, look, we certainly are still rougher and more ready than what most skate stroke, scar stroke, pop punk sounds oh, like yeah. today. No, yeah, completely. And we're also playing Brixton Academy at this point. Exactly. So, fair, you know, fair fucks to them, man. That's fair cool. fucking play yeah, to the interrupters yeah, who Definitely. at this point, you know, are going to headline Brixton Academy. You know, this music is not cool anymore. <laughs> no, right? It's no, really, it's not. really not cool. It's not, right? it's not. So, I've um, <laughs> it just reminded me. Was I remember meeting you like years ago at Slam Dunk, talking about Slam Dunk, and um, uh, and then I, I, it was kind of fairly early on. Uh, I think I think we all watched. Oh, I can't remember the fucking band school now. Um, it was it. You know, it was it was that little outdoor stage where the like it was like a you know pub car park. It was like in the the inner city mm-hmm. sumo stage or whatever, you know, um, and. A little chat and stuff, and then I remember like mid afternoon on the main stage, it was like fucking Goldfinger, Mad Caddies, and probably real big fish. fish yeah, definitely zebrahead. Yeah, definitely yeah. zebrahead. And it was, I think it was about halfway through Mad Caddies set. Right, I was, I, I, you know, I was a few beers in. I was like, this is all right. I'm having a good time. And you do that thing where he's kind of looking around the crowd and stuff. And I saw you, and we locked eyes and just started laughing. <laughs> and I was just, and we just like shook our heads. <laughs> it's always stayed with me always stayed with me it was like what the, what the fuck are we doing what are we why, why are we here <laughs> but it was, it was great oh, yeah you do think that when you're at slam dunk sometimes yeah, don't you you yeah. do go well, maybe questionable life choices here but you, you like that stage in particular you would have looked around at everyone else yeah and they're all going to be 36, yeah, 36. There weren't a kid they're, in sight. There was not yeah, a kid in sight. they're wearing like massive trousers. <laughs> They've got like check scar belts yeah. or braces on. Yeah. Port pie hat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, some kind of real big fish t-shirt on or, or a, a red shirt and a black tie. And, uh, you know, that had its moment. That thing had its moment. It really fucking did. And that moment is is way in the past. Like, it's way, way, way in the past now. So for the interrupters to get to the point where they can headline Brixton Academy... It's mad. On their own. Like, yeah. let's be perfectly honest. Like, yeah. It's not like, it, oh, it's the interrupters and there's a couple and the Scar Punk revival is happening. Yeah. It's That's not, not happening. It's not like, you know, there's no, there's no kind of radio airplay. Obviously, you know... The few magazines that are left in the shops, like Hammer, aren't going to really cover them. Do you know what I mean? No. Or classic rock, classic rock, or maybe no. in an ironic kind of. Well, probably not. Then yeah. I mean, you you know you'd know more than me. But like you know, I mean, if Kerrang was still on the shelves, then yeah, you know, Rock Sound is Rock Sound still is it even a thing? I think Rock Sound's still a thing. Yeah. Yeah. But then I mean, again, yeah. I mean, even even they even seem a bit 
Because again, I'm just like, well, do, do kids like the interruptors? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying. It's just the, the fact they've got to Brixton level with like, uh, on the strength of the songs, really. There's no hype yeah. there. There's no kind of magazine. There's no groundswell building up that hype through the press or media or anything. People are just, yeah, man, I'm fair play to them. You know, I've got, mm. you know, I've ne- it's not. Nice. It's nice when you get stories like that because they don't happen that often anymore. They certain, yeah. certainly not in Scar. They don't. No, no they definitely God, no. don't. And no. I mean, you know, look, I, like for me, yes, this is the most polished album the Interrupters have done without any question whatsoever. I think they have got to look at the longevity of their career. So I absolutely understand why they have made what I consider to be like you know they, they sound like rancid. Yes, they do. Of course, they do. Um. And I saw, you know, like a mate of mine actually just tweeted, oh, like every single song, they've only got two songs, the sort of scary one and the boisterous one, and they all sound like rancid. And it's like, well, I think there's actually, particularly on this album, a little bit more to them than that. Yeah, there I mean, is. There's a yeah. kind of 50s doo-wop song yeah. called My Heart about Amy's dog, Amy Interrupter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's genuinely quite a moving thing. They should have a dog put down in 2018, just as my cats come in. Bonjour's just wandered in as I say oh, that. Bonjour, uh, bonjour. Yeah, oh, bonjour, bonjour. Who's, and, you do, and, and I listened to that, and when I found out it was about a dog being put down, it actually made me go, <laughs> oh. <laughs> bonjour. Um, and, you know, and they write things about, um, they, might, they write really sort of super posy sounding songs, and they write them about Amy's life, and Amy's had a fucking really difficult time you know she's come out of you know foster care and she had like a a very difficult upbringing and she was you know suffered with anxiety and eating disorders and depression and all these things and those sort of mental health struggles they're all they're all there on the you know they're all there on the on in the lyrics and if you make if you think that makes it sound kind of maudlin or depressing or whatever they're actually the kind of you know there's some there's some fucking fist pumping bangers on here you mentioned raised by wolves what a tune like, what an absolute tune um i think anything is better is is great i mean i think jailbird sounds like elvis costello yeah uh that's good it's great let him go is a big fucking bouncy thing um you get the two guys alex and greg from hepcat coming in and lay your burdens down which is you know a pretty good attempt at doing a sort of scar in 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 the way that scar i think probably should sound as a slight scar purist and um you know i think afterthought's great and it ends with alien which is like a a lady gaga style power ballad and <laughs> yeah. it's really fucking good because amy interrupter is a fucking great vocalist a great lyricist oh, undeniable great yeah. presence and you know yeah i think this album is without question the 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 biggest boldest broadest maybe most polished thing not even maybe it is the most polished thing that they've ever done and yeah you know it doesn't sound like let's go or fucking about time by pennywise or do you know what i mean it doesn't sound like any of those records but i think i get it do you know what i mean i just think personally i i I get it yeah like see it's a funny one man it's you know scar punk it's like if i want to listen to scar punk you know I'll listen to some of that questionable 90s stuff that we all <laughs> saw at Reading. And, you know, I think, I think you know, using this platform responsibly, as I probably should, I think if people want to check out some incredible ska punk, right, in 2022, mm-hmm. they should check out Faintest Idea, who were possibly the greatest ska punk band 
that this country's ever produced. I do generally think that from the hallow turf of Kings Lynn. Bloody hell. <laughs> it's gone rogue. It uh, has. Better uh, cap yeah. down. Uh, ooh, um, cap down. Okay. okay cap down, yeah. Two, 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 two first two cap down albums. Are yeah, two first totally albums brilliant. are great. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, they come from that scene, you know, of, you know, the, like the UK DIYs, you know, like Vanilla Pod and Cap Down and mm-hmm. all these kind of bands. But yeah, I said go and check out the latest album by Faintest Idea. It's on Spotify and all those other various places. And uh, but I think it's wonderful that, like you said, you know, the interrupts at Brixton, man. I mean, I. I could see them getting pretty high up on the download bill next year. Uh, I think it would depend on what is surrounded. Well, by uh, it. I mean, okay, maybe, maybe second stage then, but like, like probably I, headline the second stage. I think they could sub headline the second stage. I, well, maybe I don't know if they do Brixton, then yeah, maybe they could headline the second that, stage. That, yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, maybe they could actually. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. I, 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 I mean, you'd have to surround them with with I don't other know, things like yeah, it, yeah, like yeah, yeah, Mac Caddy's real big fish, <laughs> <laughs> fucking zebrahead on the main oh stage. Oh my god, download. can you imagine? Please do not do, do not listen to yeah. this man. This is an irresponsible <laughs> chat that you're doing here. Um, it's funny actually because I I interviewed Lars Fredrickson a few months ago and I did. Mm. I think I said it on the show. I was like, "Why have you never played Download? Yeah, can you just fucking play Download?" And he was like, yeah. uh, "We've." We've been asked a few times, but you know, there's just com- you know scheduling conflict and blah 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 because we're all in fifty fucking bands each, and it's like, oh yeah. mate, just play. Because uh, I think like if Rancid were to headline the second stage, download Interrupters yeah. would be the perfect oh, sub. Can you imagine? That'd be incredible. I think it would be incredible. I think it'd just be me and you there. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's all right. <laughs> so, so socially distanced. More, there's more room for me. I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, but you know, like I, I fucking, I gotta be honest. I dig this band. I, I, I really, really like this band. I don't know. Like, there's nothing else like it at all that has come out probably since. I mean, I don't even like. I like Sublime and Rancid. I mean, are Rancid yeah. even a ska punk band? I'm not even sure they're a strictly a ska punk band. No. I quite like the Voodoo Glow Skulls. Apart from that, I mean, I don't like the Boss Tones particularly. I don't like. I don't really like this stuff. I don't actually like it. And no. yet, I find myself being sort of seduced by just the fucking gall of the of the Interrupters to come out and be like, yeah. "These songs, we've written these really, really good songs. We don't give a fuck." And we're going to get really big and go and support Green Day in stadiums and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, fuck, no, no. fair play. Yeah, exactly. I, I, think, I think that's quite a noble way, almost refreshing kind of outlook that they have. And I think that's fucking great. I, mm. wouldn't, I wouldn't deny them any of the success they've got. I think it's fucking, it's wonderful, you know. But you but you won't be going back to this record, I take it? No, but I think I think it's more due to the case that this these four albums we've done this week three of them have been so fucking strong there mm. had to be one that wasn't going to be listened to as much like I, I i was obviously i've listened to it quite a few times but i'd i'd always be like getting i don't know seven eight nine tracks into it and i'd be like i really want to listen to spielberg's again <laughs> <laughs> or Obsessed, you know, yeah I, you know I'll, I'll hold my hands up mate you've got a problem yeah, addicted to the Spielbergs. Yes, I am. Uh, just one more <laughs> hit of that fucking beautiful, <laughs> yeah, instrumental well, yeah. string piano band. Yeah. Go one on, more, give it to me. Oh, one more toke. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> it is good. Uh, look, you know, for me, this is a gr- this is a good album. Is it? Is I mean, I think say it out loud the second album, which was the one where I discovered them maybe because it felt really, really, not even fresh, but I mean, again, I say that thing, it's like the White Stripes, you know, 
when the white stripes came out and everyone's like no no one's ever done this before and it's like well actually well lots of people have done this before lots and lots and lots and lots of people they just haven't done it for like you know 80 years yeah but exactly it, it you know so it felt kind of fresh in, in context and i think they do still feel pretty fresh in context but um yeah i think you know as speaking as something of a purist and i can't really say i'm a proper purist about this type of thing really because i just don't like it that much but speaking as a kind of purist as such uh it's not as good but i do think it is really good the new interrupts I, I i think there's enough on it that i fucking really dig to think that this will stay with me a little while i think all four of these were to be will to be fair i yeah. think there's something on everything i think yeah. the two middle ones are the are the, the gold and yeah. oh the gold standards yeah. but i think even you know russian circles which is something i wouldn't normally be that fussed about there's enough stuff on that which is great and there's certainly enough stuff on interrupters that i will go back to yeah it's strong been a week it's been a see that's what i was gonna say it's been a fucking strong week it really has very strong so there you go in the wild by the interrupters is out now let's talk about the reading festival now mm. uh rage against the machine have pulled out of the reading festival and they have been replaced. Uh, it's Reading and Leeds, I should say. Sorry, it's Reading and Leeds. I was going to. So it was going to be Friday. Was going to be Rage, and Leeds, Reading Sunday. They've been replaced with the 1975. And Gaz, people are not happy with that. People are yeah. not happy. Yeah, tw- Twitter kind of melted. Really. Yeah. Um, like a, a lot of very unhappy campers. Um, it's it's like, like when you do your online shopping. And I don't know, you ordered a bunch of bananas and they didn't have any bananas. So they gave you, uh, I don't know, uh, like an arsenic. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going <laughs> to say a box of Oxo cubes, but yeah, arsenic's better. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like, I didn't order this. That's not what I signed up for. You know, can I have a refund, please? And they've gone, no, no, you yeah, can't. No. Uh, they, these, these Oxo cubes, stroke arsenic. Yeah are still one of your five a day. Exactly. So yeah. You, really? Um, look, you know, I I, yeah. I I have no huge beef with the 1975. I think Matey Boy's kind of exhausting. Uh, they've got some good songs. And I think considering... I, I forgot how big they were. Are they massive? Oh, so they're fucking massive. Everyone in the realm's got to number one. Because uh, I don't know a huge amount. The only kind of stuff I know, you've spoken about them, about them on the podcast before... And mm. I've kind of checked them out in passing, but it, it's it's hardly a like for like swap. But who would be who? Stephen Hill would be a like for like swap if Reg Against the Machine drops out. The only band I can think of, realistically, who they could have got, who I think you could look at and go, that is a like for like swap. And they like whether or not they're available, who knows? But the only band I think they could have got is System of a Down. They're yeah. the only band. Mm. I can't think of anyone else. People have said Metallica. That is not the same thing. No. And Biffy, but that's not the same thing. So. Biffy is not the same thing. Muse is not the same thing. No. Um, Slipknot is not the same thing. System of a Down is sort of the same thing. I would have said Linkin Park. Were Linkin Park still together? Yeah. Uh, you know, would have been the same thing. Limp Bizkit? <laughs> they're not big enough, though, are they, really? Well, I think they... Well, no, but I think they could have brought a party set. Yeah, it's true. I think it's, uh, you know, Reading would have looked at that and been like, I mean, I don't think they're big enough. I mean, the only other one, I guess, actually, as well, the other one would have been The Prodigy. I kind of have my fingers yeah. crossed that maybe it would have been The Prodigy. Yeah. But, you know. 
um that's not that's not happened um you know these things happen and they've had to replace them with somebody and i think the fact that they have arguably replaced them with a bigger band who, oh, so, yeah completely uh, who for, for the festival for the entire weekend i think the 1975 fit in way more than radiance the machine do in terms of the bill overall yeah so i don't think it's it's shit for the people who have bought a ticket just to see Rage Against the Machine. And I'm sure there's a, fight, a fair few of them. But as we will go through now, we're kind of going to go through the Reading lineup hmm. um, as it is and see who is left to play because I'm actually going to be going to this. So we'll do a sort of review in it in a couple of weeks. Um, and I don't think it's a bad lineup overall. I mean, if we look. Uh, I should say Red and Leeds. Sorry, I should say Red and Leeds. These two things. But anyway, the Reading and Leeds lineup on the first day. The first day, we're going to do it as Reading because I'm going to Reading. So, um, main stage on the first day Dave, Polo G, Little Sims, Circa Waves, Griff, Black Honey, Frank Carter, and the Rattlesnakes. For me, I'm going to say it straight away. I think everyone knows what I think about Dave's my album of the year last year. I think he's absolutely fucking brilliant. I cannot wait to see that. I was also equally as enthused by the Little Sims album. Yeah. That's a fucking no-brainer to me. Like, just for those two alone, Friday now stands out for me as the best day at the Reading Festival. Um, Anyone else on that main stage that you would be interested in at all? No, not really. I'm, you, know, <laughs> you know, Frank Carter, no, not really. You know, it's, it's been a long time since I gave a fuck about anything he did. Um mm. Little Sims, that's the one for me. I mean, that album was absolutely incredible. Um, and then, yeah, I'd love to see Dave because you know, I'm a superstar. You know, it'll be a, it'll be an unbelievable show. I guarantee yeah. it. Yeah, um, well, he but, was great at the A2 earlier this year. Really oh, great. yeah, no, I don't doubt it. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's kind of. I mean, that's it, really. <laughs> but saying say, say that, there's only like six bands on, the, on or six artists, should I say, on on the stage, six or seven. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's weird how they're doing that. Have they got like the two kind of stages next to each other, and as soon as one finishes, the other one starts? Like big day out in '98 or whatever. Yeah, know? it is. Yeah, no, exactly no. Like that. So that that's main stage East. I mean, I would say yeah. as well, Griff, who won the new the Brit School thing a couple of years ago, yeah. I think it would probably be worth watching. Main stage West on that day, um, Megan The Stallion, Glass Animals, All Time Low, Joy Crooks, Wallows, Bono dollar sign i'm not but sure no. if that's how you say it i didn't even know i didn't even know all time low was still fucking going i've no idea no, they I stick mean, out like they stick out like a sore fucking thumb on that building they, they? they really do they what really the really do i mean megan the stallion you'd watch someone who is that famous i actually i mean yeah. joy crooks nominated for the mercury i would like to see that i actually listened to that record i thought it was it thought it was pretty good um but overall, like nothing on that stage, it gets me particularly like, oh, I must see that. I'm assuming that you're the same. Yeah. Yeah, I feel every inch the 44-year-old man that I am. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was saying to you like um, earlier this week, it was like every time I open up the Reading Festival lineup um, poster, I kind of age another like 15 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I just turn into another like angry old man, like shouts at cloud. <laughs> I mean, going through the rest of the lineup on the sort of dance stage and the you know the other stages as well, like Gorgon City, Pink Panthers, Fever Three Three Three, as it is, Tiger Club, Kid Capici, you know, Witch Fever. A lot of people have spoken about as well. 
Um, there's not really a lot else that sort of jumps out at me, particularly on the Friday. So, you know, maybe it's a good chance to watch a bunch of stuff that I've never heard of before, yeah. never seen before, don't know much about, discover some things. I think that's fine. Um, bring us on to the Saturday. Arctic Monkeys, Wolf Alice, Fontaine's DC, the Latham's Dayglow and the Sherlock's. That feels like it might have a slightly more of a kind of crossover potential for, um, you know, old guitar-loving men like you and I, guys. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I mean Wolf Alice will be will steal the show. They'll be the best band on that stage that day, I think, by fucking Country Mile. Um, um, like their um, their set, um, I watched on telly at Glastonbury. Um, mm. Yeah, well, yeah, it was this year. It was fucking unbelievable. Arctic Monkeys, if they if they come out and don't fuck around and, and just do a great hit set, open with Bet You Look Good on the dance floor, then straight into like um, Brian Storm or something, it will just fucking go off. It will go off, be home run. But I don't think they'll do that. No, I'm pretty sure they won't do that. Unfortunately, you know, um, Fontaine's DC, I know you're a fan. Yeah, I am actually. I got my money is on Fontaine's DC to be the standout band of that day, to be okay. honest. Okay, well, you know, we'll, uh, we'll rendezvous Apre <laughs> uh, uh, Reading. Yes, so, we yeah, will. Yeah. Uh, Monge to Rodney. Yeah. Um, and um, over on the main stage west, you've got Bring Me the Rise and D Block Europe, Enter Shikari, Poppy, and Dwayne. Now, Bring Me, I think this is an interesting one because it's again Bring Me having another go at headlining a big yeah. thing like they did at All Points East a couple of yeah. years ago. It feels like they're kind of near the top of those bills, they're kind of inching ever closer to, you know, potential download. Reading, Glaston. I can't really ever see them headlining Glastonbury, really. But you know, um, Enter Shikari, like it's just not really happening for them anymore, is it? And Pop, like I'm actually quite interested to see Poppy. Mm. I mean, I'd like to go. You know, Enter Shikari will always hold something like in my. There's, there's a place in my heart for for Enter Shikari. So I, I remember seeing them again many years ago at a little pub in uh in cambridge uh, i think it was like the week before they had um they were on the front cover of kerrang i think their first ever kerrang cover oh. um and I've, I've i've always i've always liked them i, I love um what's the second album called juggernauts like juggernauts is i have no idea mate i couldn't tell you oh uh, okay fair enough um but yeah, I, I really like that last album, the one that had um, what was that song called? That five stars, but all rooms are vacant. That is a great I song. I love that fair. song. Yeah, that is a really yeah, good song. Yeah. yeah, I've 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 sort of mellowed out to because when I heard it at first, that album, I was like, oh, no, it's a mess. This record. And I haven't listened to the album, but I do think uh, the the Dreamers Hotel. Dreamers Hotel is, is a really good song. What a tune, yeah, bang. Yeah, big tune. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not like particularly amazing that stage, but I would like to see Poppy. I think. Yeah. Um. You got on the other stages. You've got Sigma, Madison Beer, Horror, Cassiette. Uh, Static Dress who I thought were alright when they supported Knock Loose as well Crepton Conan JPEG Mafia is the one for me JPEG Mafia on the Saturday on the BBC Radio 1 Extra stage is you know is is the, the, probably along with Fontaine's DC the person who I'm most interest, interested in seeing um, there's not really a lot else that I've heard of there um, I'm assuming that I don't know if you can see the BBC Radio 1 Extra stage there Snow is playing. I'm sure that's not in form. Oh my god! Oh, you're, love gonna, it to you're gonna have to go over, mate. Regardless, and if it <laughs> is, and if it is, ring me and just hold your fucking phone in the air because <laughs> I'll I will lose my shit. Can you imagine, Licky Bum Bum down? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't think of. 
he should, if he replaced Rage Against the Machine, oh. I'd. Oh, you know, yeah. just playing that song over and over yeah, and over again. It'd be double, du- brilliant. double header of Snow and Skilo, just doing their one hit <laughs> just for two like, hours. Oh, be a- <laughs> tagging each other in. <laughs> and then Montel Jordan comes oh, on in the encore to oh, do how we do it. Yeah, yeah like, like big smoke bombs and fireworks. And then Montel Jordan just comes out, this is how we do it. I'd lose my fucking mind. That's what they need to do. They need to get Mark Morrison doing Return of the Mac. Montel Jordan. I mean, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna start. I'm gonna stop this because this is getting yeah. ridiculous now. But yeah, like yeah, like you, you fill in your own. If you're from the yeah. '90s, fill in your own uh, ones there as well. Stick Love City Groove and Crisscross in there yeah. as well. If you want. Love That's City fine. Groove. <laughs> Fucking hell! Wow, that's uh, even yeah. niche for me, mate. I know. Yeah. Good um, tune though. <laughs> great tune. Um, the Sunday, the 1975, obviously. Mm. Run the Jewels, Pale Waves, Denzel Curry, Willow, Mulrat. Now. That is a strong day. Yeah. I'm going to say it. Yeah, Denzel Curry. I think great. that's a strong day. Yeah. No? No, no, it is. No, yeah, but, you know, obviously, you know, we kind of know where I stand on, on Run the Jewels. If they, if, if they got rid of Run the Jewels and put four owls there instead, I, it'd be unbelievable. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, seriously, mate, check out the four owls. Oh, I will, you, yeah, I will. Yeah, you know, the last album, Nocturnal Instinct. I, um, went, went to see me a few months ago at the Scala. Absolutely incredible. Um... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, more rat. I mean, if, basically, if they're if they're actually just going to show the Kevin Smith film, more rat. That, that, that's <laughs> how you. That. <laughs> yeah, if they, yeah, that's that's how you start a Sunday morning. You know, yeah. you're sitting there with with your egg bap and and <laughs> yeah. just watch more rats. More, you know? Yeah, great. They've pulled out to be replaced by Chasing Amy. Yeah, even better. It's not really fucking niche now. But yeah, like Willow, I want to see Denzel Curry, I think it'd be good. Yeah, I've heard yeah, good Denzel things Curry about that last Pearl Waves album. Yeah. Uh, we were going to review that, but I've not really got around to it yet. So, uh, Run the Jewels, yeah. And the 1975, look, you know, they've got one song that I love, the 1975. They feel a little bit like. I'm as interested in 1975 as I am in Shikari, I think. They're, I think the, United, the 1975, I think there's going to be a lot of hatred in that crowd, right? They're going to come out fighting. Mm. And probably do a wicked fuck you set, and mm. it will probably be at the end of it because I'll be sat here in in relative comforts in this kind of position here, drinking a drinking a beer, you know, staying out of the rain because it's bound to rain. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and you know, I'll be watching 1975, and do you know what? I bet it's I bet it'll be a really fucking good set because they'll come out fighting, and it'll be a gnarly set. They'll play everything twice as fast. They'll have uh, to, won't they? They'll have yeah, to do something. There's going to be a lot of aggro in that crowd. Mm. People that didn't get a refund will end up going anyway just to boo the 1975 or throw shit on stage. We'll be talking about people getting booed at Reading in a little bit once we go through the rest (laughs) of these uh, stages. So Main Stage West. Um, For me, it's all about Halsey. Halsey headlining the Main Stage West, but still not interested. DMAs, don't know. Bad Boy Chiller Crew, Brucey and the K's. Don't really know who that is, but if Halsey like whacks out any of that stuff from that past album, then uh, that is exciting to me because I think that album is superb, absolutely superb. Her other material, uh, I, I don't know, but I think um, that particularly could be really great, really fucking exciting, I think. Um, as for everything else for the rest of that day, 100 Gex stick out. 
on the yeah. radio and dance stage to me quite a lot i really yeah. really want to see that i thought 100 gex you know it feels like it's sort of <laughs> them being a, a an exciting sort of meme band has, has gone at this point but uh, that last s- s- single they put out earlier this year, I think, is fucking brilliant. Um, so I would quite like to see that. Crawlers are playing as well. You've got uh, Biba Doobie. Who yeah, I've I like heard. Biba Doobie, yeah. Play- playing quite a bit of that stuff on Six mm, at the yeah. minute. It's really good. Uh, you've got Danny Brown as well over on the BBC Radio and Extra Stage. And that's kind of it from the stuff that I'm really aware of. So I'm probably going to hang out at the old BBC introducing stage and try and watch some yeah. stuff just to see what it all is um but reading did, I, I did notice sorry did, um reginald d hunter is on the comedy stage yeah love reginald d hunter bang up for that fucking excellent he, <laughs> he's great yeah. um yeah. so anyway uh reading's changed though isn't it like this is kind of what yeah. we're going to get to when we we talk about it because when you look at that lineup like first year I went was ninety six, I believe. First year went you went was ninety seven. Correct. Right, and it's obviously unrecognisable. It's unrecognisable in a way that it's not just oh you know they they've put on newer bands or these bands have got bigger or do you know what I mean like download you could look at <laughs> you could look at download on it from two thousand five oh, and you could look at yeah. like one from yeah. two thousand nineteen and you'd go pretty much the same thing in it really they'll they'll yeah there'll be a massive crossover of yeah, bands i can see that that is sort of the same thing whereas yeah. reading that has not happened and um you know that has not happened and it's not happened for a long time and we're gonna sort of investigate i think not just not just like what we have liked over the years at the Reading Festival um, during our time going and what we've seen there, but also sort of try and get to the bottom of when this happened, how this happened, why it happened, and is it a good thing or not? Because people have been going kind of crazy about rage. Um, do we need to just let it go and kind of accept that the good things that are on there are the good things and maybe it's not for us anymore? Or is it really worth getting kind of antsy about? Because like I say, a few years ago, I did get quite antsy about what had happened to Reading. Same. And spoiler alert, I don't really feel that way about it anymore. No. But um, we'll talk a little bit about our, our kind of various um, favourite things that we've seen and stuff. Starting with, best ever main stage headliner performance at Reading for you, Gaz. I mean, I mean, best... We like, could we do a few honourable mentions? Absolutely, mate, of course. That's what it's all, that's what it's all about. I mean, well... I went to I went to five readings, uh, well four readings, and uh, the last one I went to was Leeds, and um, yeah, like going going to Leeds, I wish I'd gone to Leeds more because I think it's a much better site. Um, yeah, in terms of like you know best main stage, best main stage headline performances. I mean Metallica in nineteen ninety seven was fucking mm. brilliant. Possibly, really possibly, I think it's the best Metallica show I've seen with Lars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. really? okay, best Metallica yeah. show I, I, I've ever seen was Download 2004 man you know it's, you know, it's fucking incredible um, the Joey Jordison yeah uh, yeah Lombardo. yeah Dave Lombardo yes. playing battery and yeah. I, I just remember turning to my mate saying this is how battery should sound and I was so happy it was, it was I was so fucking hell do you know what I've, you just made me realise I'm going to stick I'm going I'm to keep this in I fucking interviewed Dave Lombardo last week and I didn't ask him about that oh, I cannot believe you, I didn't ask oh, him about mate. that oh Oh, dude! Seriously, ridiculous! What a stupid prick. <laughs> anyway, go on. Um, yeah, Page and Plant in '98, closest I'll ever get to seeing 
Le Zeppelin. They they, ba- mm. they they banged out loads of Zeppelin tunes. I remember doing like Cashmere and stuff like that, and I I lost my tiny little minds. Um, yeah. But the one for me, I mean, the Manics were great in in '97. Uh, the Charlatans were great in was it '99? It's mad to think Charlatans had my reading now, but anyway. But the, the one for me, um, <laughs> nothing against Charlatans. I fucking love the Charlatans. But anyway, uh, the best main stage perform- headline performance I ever saw. And it's the only time I ever saw them, uh, and it was wonderful. It was the Beastie Boys in 1998? It's a great shout, man. Oh, it was. It was. It, it was amazing, my... wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It still blows my mind that I see. I've seen the fucking Beastie Boys when they were mm. one of the biggest bands in the world in '98. Yeah, when Intergalactic dropped that summer, man, mm. that album, Hello Nasty, and you know, and yeah. Body Moving, the video was on MTV every two minutes, and. They were the cool, you know. They was will be the coolest band to ever do it. Um, but the fact that you know, I've seen the Beastie Boys, man, and it's nuts. I've seen the Beastie Boys do Sabotage live. Yeah, I, mad. I, yeah. It's mad. I, mean, I I saw the Beastie Boys twice. I saw them on in the round it went oh, on, on that tour nice. just after that. Yeah, yeah. Which was fucking fantastic. But I have to say, seeing them that first time, and again, you know, this is the thing people talk about. Oh, Reading, it is a rock festival. You know, Public Enemy, yeah. Beastie Boys, yeah. Cypress, Cypress Hill. Hill. Yeah. You know, the first Reading I went to... Della Soul. Ice, Della Soul. Della yeah. Soul. Ice T. Yeah. yeah. I've seen Run DMC yeah. there. Jurassic 5, yeah. The Far Side, Money Mark. Yeah. You know, this is not uh, a new phenomenon that they book hip-hop and rap. It's not at all. And when you look at, like, how fucking warmly received the Beast... I mean, the Beastie Boys, uh, like you say, they're kind of a law into themselves, really, aren't they? Because the Beastie Boys are the Beastie Boys. Like they transcend genre. They're the ultimate crossover. They're the ultimate crossover band for me. Yeah. Everyone, everyone likes the Beastie Boys. Indie kids, metalheads, um, you know, dance freaks, even people that don't like music, know the Beastie Boys and like the Beastie Boys. Yeah, that was that's on my honourable mentions uh, list as well. Because yeah, it was absolutely fucking brilliant. Blur, I think. Um, yeah. You know, the, the year that um that 13 had just come yeah, out with sub them yeah, in 99 yeah. i think were fucking great yeah, um were. weird shout but i'm gonna say it fuck it black grape in 96 <laughs> <laughs> absolutely brilliant mate, so much fun mate we are singing from the same hem sheet because it's great when you're straight yeah is f- what a fucking album I, yeah What's i mean an I, album i'm convinced. i adore that album yeah, I, I see Black Grapes like listing stats go up by like a thousand yeah. every year, and I'm convinced well, that's just it's me. It's because of you. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get people were getting like Spotify, and they were like, yeah. "You're in the top five percent of Taylor Swift fans," and I was like, "There is no way I am not in the top one percent of Black Grape fans. Must there be. is no Must way. Be. They, I Must cannot be. believe that I'm not." <laughs> um, but I have gone for another one that you've already mentioned for me, Manix in '97. Yeah. Um, was the second time that I saw Manix. I actually saw them yeah. at the Reading Rivermead Centre, which is that mm. place where they have the, you know, Reading have the like, yeah, yeah. They used to have like a sort of CD record fair around the, in the yep. big leisure centre. And yep. they played the leisure centre, they played it um, not long before the festival, kind of three, four months before the festival, then came back and headlined the festival. And, um, and I just thought that day, because, you know, Reading 97 was great. 
and there was some great stuff we'll probably end up talking about some of the other stuff that happened before this but like you know we were kind of waiting a little bit for you know the kind of rock day and to me it felt like you waited 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 and you knew that the next day you were going to get you know all of these great bands but the manics came on and almost went like here we go it's this is a change in tact i know it was sort of everything must go and they were more into the sort of indie thing but it still felt like they're, they're you know they were playing pcp and yeah they, and yes i remember and them doing a motel then they finished on motown junk i remember them playing motown junk they definitely played motown junk they yeah. would have finished with you love us oh yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. I, just, I just remember it had that extended outro you went full-on slash yeah and just started yeah, shredding do, man yeah used to, oh. used to do like lust for life in the middle of in, yes. like, the kind of end yeah. outro of a, yeah it was fucking brilliant and i just yeah. you know like i was i was so obsessed with the Manic Street Preachers at that point I was so fucking obsessed with them and you're looking at the absolute like for my money that is the gold standard yeah like the 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 I mean I would I would have loved to have seen them on the Holy Bible obviously I would have loved to have seen them in the early days when they were just you know lipstick and spray paint and all that kind of stuff but for me if you're talking about when would be the time where the Manics have the most perfect amount of material to draw from it is touring everything must go and you know, I think they went and played the M in the MEC, the Manchester Arena, a little bit uh, like a, a year or so after that to win that tour, and that was like one of their big kind of end shows. And I've, I had that on video, I had that on VHS tape. I had that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that, yeah, I had the, that, yeah. The same, the same set list and stuff, and they just, I th- you know, it's their first ever UK headlining festival performance, like a big big thing and they've gone on to be you know for, for a while they were as big as any guitar bands in the country weren't they they were fucking massive and um yeah like it was amazing like for the main stage headliner for me manix was was really really special but um best main stage performance during your time at reading that you saw non-headlining main stage performance non-headlining well this is this this is where the 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 honorable mention list is outrageous this (laughs) i mean basically like every time television and feeder did the main stage they were fucking great um like feeder it was wonderful you know i'm you know we're we're both i know we're i haven't got to convince you about how fucking amazing polythene is no it's fucking great and and seeing them around that time every year because they did like I think three or four consecutive Reddings and every year they were a bit higher up the bill a bit higher up the bill and it was great and especially seeing them there like um, like with the set they were doing because they were still doing stuff off Swim they were still doing a lot of stuff off Polythene and it was great uh, Manson Manson in 98 when they uh, like, I think it was um, around the time Being a Girl came out as a single yeah a, aka Danny Dyer's first uh, starring role. Is it really? I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He looks about ten. It looks about ten. You know, it's called that awesome kind of like almost like homoerotic video with like the guys in the changing room in the oh, gym and stuff. Do you remember that video? We're like whipping bit, yeah. towels and stuff. But yes, it's this fucking Danny Dyer. I didn't know that at all. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, they were fucking great. I remember that they were. I think they were third on the bill. There was it was Manson, Jane, James and, it was, and Suede. Uh, no, that was ninety seven. No, not yet. Okay. It was Manson, Manson, Ash, Page, and Plant. That's it. Yeah, that's that's not a bad fucking Friday night, is yeah, it? Yeah, it was pretty you good. Know. That yeah. Um, I've I've uh, I Silver Chair in ninety nine were brilliant. Like doing I, the old ballroom. Stuff, yeah, that you know. was I. I that didn't, I don't didn't really translate as well to me. Yeah. I didn't think. That, 
that and that was the album where I kind of went full in on Silver Chair. I love Neon Ballroom. Yeah, I do um, really like Neon Ballroom. Yeah. Um, uh, Lemonheads in '97. It was that. That was like Lemonheads' last gig before they split. Okay. Like obviously they reformed like years later and stuff. But like, um, um, what else have we got? Uh, uh, Lit in '99. You fucking uh, out. You are going for all of the like. Uh, obscure oh. not, well not even they're not that obscure are they Lit, but like, really, yeah but, but it, that was that summer man when my own worst enemy was inescapable blanket yeah. radio one airplay and they were on like really early I think Backyard Babies opened and then Lit were like second bands and the, were, cr- yeah. and the crowd was fucking huge mm. man, I do you know. remember that I remember yeah. the whole I remember it being one of those ones where when they played My Own Worst Enemy yeah. the entire crowd yeah, all the way to the mixing desk seemed to be like jumping up and down it was yeah, it was pretty big that. It was pretty big. That was a good set. But I've actually got I've actually got a joint top because I couldn't decide them uh, between them. Uh, the first was the Cult in two thousand and one. Now this caused a lot of trouble in my yeah. brain. But yeah. go on. Um, it was you know it was it was a mad fucking day. It was like you know I think Exhibit and like System of a Down and yeah. It Fear was a Factory. mad day. Yeah, Fear Factory. Papa um, Roach, was it? Papa, yeah, Papa, yeah, Papa Roach. But the cult, they, it was just after they'd reformed. And I was banging to the cult when I was younger. And obviously they split kind of before I was old enough to want to go to gigs, let alone being mm-hmm. able to go to gigs, you know. Um, and I'd always wanted to see them. And, you know, they did a great hit set. Ian Asprey was like on one. Like talking about like indie bands wearing shit Clark shoes and all this, I'll always remember that for some reason. And I, you know, just remember, you know, it's the only time I've seen the cult, and I've seen the cult do She's Sell Sanctuary, and it was fucking great. And I've never seen so many Canadian tuxedos at Reading as I did that day. (laughs) (laughs) It was there was there was a lot of denim. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I remember that. I remember being. I mean, again, I've said it before on this podcast. I think it's it's something that sort of taps into like how music and scenes and stuff used to move a lot quicker because mm. when they booked the cult i remember just being like what on earth are they booking um, this old yeah fucking it was band it for? was weird it was so weird because like obviously they'd reformed i mean they, they, you know they were a big band back in mm. the day but like when they split no one gave a fuck and when even when they reformed no one really gave a fuck you know it was a yeah. good comeback they did a comeback album beyond good and evil and it was really good uh like matt sorum from gnr was drumming for him and stuff yeah. like this and but like, yeah, I th- that was the band that kind of swung like me getting tickets for Reading that year. Or really? to, to Leeds, I went to Leeds, like me, me and a good mate of mine, John. And yeah, they, they were fucking, they, they were great. They did the greatest hit set. They did everything you want. Wildflower, Little Devils, She Sells Sanctuary, fu- Fire, Firewoman and all that, you know. And um, Love Removal Machine. Yeah, they finished yeah. on Love Removal Machine. Yeah. It was amazing. But um, like it's, it's a straight up knife fight, based between the Cult 2001 and New Order in 1998. Why New Order weren't headlined? I felt so fucking sorry for Garbage, man. New Order blew them out of the fucking water. Mm. Garbage were one of the biggest bands in the country in 98. I think I'm paranoid and push it and all those amazing singles yep. off um, 2.0. But like... New Order, man. I just remember them coming on, like, like they were like, "We're New Order. We're gonna fucking rock the house." And they, they, they went straight into regret, and it was just like, oh. they did. I, I remember Keith Allen coming out. They did World in Motion. They did Love Will Tear Us Apart. 
Yeah. And yeah, it was. Right now, I'm going to pick. I'm gonna, this is something which, on reflection, because I was there and I, you know, I, there's a massive. It's the only time I've seen New Order. I love, I love New Order. Yeah. You know, as we've discussed yeah. uh, many times this podcast, I fucking love New Order. And I thought they were good. I remember thinking they were good. Here's my problem Keith Allen coming out on World in Motion. <laughs> now, you know when people go, oh, I, I know all the words to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme tune. It's like, well, of course you do. Everybody does. That's not impressive. You want to impress me? Do fucking Turtle Power, mate. Do all of Turtle Power. If you want to impress me, don't take me And similarly, John Barnes' rap yeah. in World in Motion. <laughs> who doesn't know that rap? I mean, particularly in 1998, when you yeah. were on the song. Yeah. Keith Allen came out and he fucked the rap up. He absolutely yeah. fucked the rap up. And I just remember going, you prick. If you can't get John Barnes, I mean, how can, how? And it like, and still to this day, as you can tell, I'm just, yeah. it, it, it's blown, it, it just blew my fucking mind. It's like, you're on that song and the whole country knows you got to hold and give. Do you know what I mean? Everyone knows that. You get, well, prove, prove that you know it. I, don't, I absolutely do not need to prove that I know it. But <laughs> if you want me to do, if you, if, I, 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 I do. do it. I mean, do okay. it. you've do got it. to hold and give, but do it at the right time. You can be slow or fast, but you must get to the line. They'll always hit you and hurt you. Defend and attack. There's only one way to beat them. Get round, get round the, the back. back. So catch you if you can, because I'm an England man. And what you're looking at is the master plan. We ain't no hooligans. This ain't a football song. Three lions on my chest. You know I can't go. We'll sing it we'll for, sing England. for England. Yeah, everybody knows <laughs> it. And the thing is, is Keith Allen got the, there's only one way to beat them. And then he went, there's only one way to beat them. Get get round the back, and it was like, oh, you god, oh. could you fucking get that wrong unit? So oh, I, so that ruined it. That ruined that new order performance for me. Fuck, uh, I, it, it's, I, I, no, no, it's fine. I, I literally haven't thought about him fucking that up since nineteen ninety eight. Wow. And um, I just remember, it, <laughs> I just remember being too wrapped up in the joyous occasion that it was. That it's I on was YouTube. Seeing, I was yeah I, yeah. Go and I'm find not, it uh, and go back to that bit and I, like look, if you want your fucking memories ruined, of course, go and do that. <laughs> but probably don't actually. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Really. But you know, seeing him do regret Blue Monday, bizarre love triangle, touch by the hand of God. Yeah, it was um, a banging. Set. It was Great you know, set. and the fact they did Joy Division stuff as well, which mm -hmm. I don't think up until that point, I don't think they'd ever done any Joy Division stuff live. I don't think. I, uh, I, I just remember I just remember it being a really big thing in the reviews afterwards or like yeah. oh God, they did your division stuff yeah I think you yeah, hadn't been doing be... it for very long I thought I might be wrong but I thought they were doing it on the on the I think they I thought they brought at least brought Love Will Tear Us Apart in on like regret era kind of yeah I, th I think I don't know anyway but yeah but it was good I mean for me there's I mean again there's a lot of great sets that i saw that weren't headlining sets rancid in 98 on that oh, day we yeah, were talking about yeah, you know to bring yeah. rancid up into it like coming out with yeah. alleyways and avenues and just the, like, this whole fucking dust cloud everywhere sick yeah. of it all on the main stage yeah with the, that kind of that year when it was pitch shifter and sick of it all on the main stage and everyone just seemed to like get into big rucks for <laughs> like an hour and then just go somewhere else um you're not really meant to be nice about Marilyn Manson these days, but seeing Marilyn Manson in 1997 was 
uh, you know, I didn't know what he was up to at the time. Sorry, you can't cancel <laughs> me now. But I mean, it was a, it was an incredible thing to see back then. It was a very, very influential, very incredible thing to see. But you know, strike that from the record. If, if, if you uh, need I mean, to. I mean, it, it, I mean, it was, but. It, I was incredibly angry about that performance, but I'll but I'll explain why in a bit. Okay. Park that. But I have. I mean, I you know I I always thought he was horrendously overrated anyway. Mm. But that performance that year, he actually made me angry. I but think we'll come back. We'll come back to that in a bit. I think I know <laughs> what you're going to say as well. Yeah, I think I think you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. for me, I cannot look beyond. Rage Against the Machine, subbing The Prodigy in 1996. I mean, I've spoken about this. Go and sign up, patreon.com forward slash right podcast if you want to listen to me and Sam talking about Rage Against the Machine for bloody ages. Um, I've said it so many times. It's one of the best gigs that I've ever seen in my entire life, ever. It, it was. It might be the best festival performance I've ever seen in my entire life. It was fucking incredible. And as a 16-year-old who had been to see Madness and nothing else, before that day <sighs> absolutely mind-blowing absolutely mind-blowing um so yeah uh on the second stage now the red in second stage i don't feel like i've seen when i think of the classic red in second stage performances foo fighters in 95 blur in 93 um i don't feel like i've seen that many like truly classic second stage performances but your shout for the best second stage performance guess i mean i've said a lot of my favorite bands were kind of playing the second stage in that era that i that i was going mm. um like the first time i ever saw rider wild was on the second stage it was around the time um like self healer was on a free kerrang cd yeah i remember that, uh, yeah. one of the radio kerrang cds um and I, I loved that. I was like, man, they sound like a piano falling down the stairs off a cliff. This is great. And it was like, this was that wonderful period of Idlewild World when they couldn't play for shit, but it didn't matter. Mm. It was so fucking punk rock. And it was this attitude, white, just white noise. Like Captain that Captain sort of era. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I think, um, yeah, yeah. Like, what was it? Annihilate Now and Self Healer and Satan Polaroid and stuff like that. Um, you know, that was incredible. Um, uh, Silver Sun in 1997 oh, yeah. was 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 fucking glorious. Um, got to uh, I, I got to see what, well what did turn out to be the penultimate Silver Sun show about four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it sort of turned out. I, I was reading an interview. I think it was um, James McMahon, like ex Kerrang editor. He mm-hmm. was he's got a blog about is it Indie Heaven or something? It's called. Yeah. Yeah. And he did an interview with James from Silver Sun, and um, a good friend of mine was like, "Shit, have you read this?" Like James is like terminal, and then it was like a week later, the singer for Silver Sun passed away. Was, I was just like, I'm so glad I went to see their warm up show for what turned out to be their final gig. They they were supporting Sleeper, and that turned out to be their final gig. Really, I didn't uh, I didn't yeah. actually know that. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, and I, they did a warm up show like a few weeks beforehand at my mate's um, Britpop club night in London called Star Shaped, and um, it was yeah, just just seeing Silver Sun like just play everything that I wanted. Surrounded by Silver Sun fans, it was great, you know. But anyway, yeah, Silver Sun '97, they were great. Um, Three Colors Reds final show, 
in '99. Mm. They were it was it was unbelievable. It was emotional. Um, little did we know that three years later they were going to reform again, and I went <laughs> to see them another bunch of times. They were, yeah. you know. Um, that's the weirdest thing is it because I saw Three Colors Red in 96 on the second stage before yeah. they had any music out I think they had like one yeah. single out right mm. and then three years later they're headlining the second stage as yeah. their last gig and yeah. it, that felt like a really long career to me like they had you know yeah. a load of stuff happened but then yeah, yeah. looking back at it now you think well bloody hell that's the difference it's between like three years yeah. you know the, the pandemic starting and now pretty much I know, you know it's I mean? mad it's, it's but, fucking yeah. weird but, but it was like three years back then was like 10 15 years now you know mm. it's crazy mm. um yeah that was great but the one for me and it always will be and uh, i've chatted about it at length with two members of the band on my podcast it was symposium uh subbing three colored reds in 99 one of the best festival shows i've ever seen this is the one where they got sugs out oh yeah i, I didn't and, see this but i uh, it was yeah. uh, and i've i've chatted to ross and Wojciech um on on the podcast, Ross especially has told the best madness story I've ever heard. <laughs> um, um, they were great because it, it was it was at that time where that where like symposium they'd been dropped by infectious and they were like and it, it was when like Karanga dubbed it like Simtalica. Do you remember that? Yes, yeah. When they started doing the more kind of metally stuff. Yeah. And the, I, I remember they they did a load of new songs that night, which a few years later were turned turned out to be Hell's for Hero songs. Like I can climb mountains. Um, you hey, drove me to it. Yeah, because it, it's, it's weird because the best song from this gig, they were like, "Oh, this is a new song," and called so and so, and it was, and they started it, it was bump, which is like years later. I remember like going to see like Hellas for Heroes, and I was like, "That was a symposium riff." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, but yeah, the, it was unbelievable. There's there's some brilliant kind of grainy YouTube footage from the side of the stage from that gig, and it was just. One of those like joyous occasions where it seemed like a, a band that was unsigned could still be that high on a second stage at Reading, and loads of like the tent was fucking not Foo Fighters fucking rammed obviously, but it was rammed. I remember getting in there like about two hours beforehand because we were like, I, I don't want to miss this, you know, and it was so, it, and it was. It seems crazy to me now that that bands without record deals, and were already I don't know been kind of dismissed by the press and stuff, and was could still get that high on a bill. And I think that was quite an incredible thing. You know, it hasn't happened that many times. I remember Hundred Reasons yeah. playing on the main stage, with, and they had that banner. Was it uh, One Careful Owner or something? Yeah, and they were like some like you know with the telephone number, you know, they're like the best unsigned band in the UK and stuff like this. But it, it it just felt like an, and and then it wasn't that long after that the uh, symposium kind of split up and that was one of the last times I saw them. Mm. But it was it was it was just a special night. And then to, yeah and the, yeah it was great. They were uh, they you know they were they got that kind of best unsigned band thing for Kerrang for ages. Like Biz were another one, weren't they? Biz were always yeah. fucking high up on Bill. Like you know they were that yeah. kind of unsigned yeah. band that people yeah. were like you know oh yeah. my god they played Top of the Pops so the first unsigned band to play Top of the Pops and stuff. Mad. Um, yeah, man, good shouts and similar sort of shouts to what I I have got. I mean, a on the second stage in oh fuck, why did, oh why don't was, I put that in there? Of course, it yeah. was so good. It was so yeah, good. Yeah, it was great. Um, I actually also uh, in two thousand two, Trailer Dead subbed Spiritualized, um, and they were fucking excellent and they trashed the place. They absolutely 
trashed the stage and i was like you know that they didn't just smash their kit up and then like they, they threw their drum kit in the crowd the whole thing not just like sticks and a cymbal he's he the whole chucked thing. the whole like the kick drum and everything <laughs> in there just tried chucking bits from the drum riser into the crowd started trying to chuck like the fucking monitors into the crowd and that, I was like, well, the symposium did that in '98. Remember when they played the main stage and, and like everything off the stage ended up in the crowd—the monitors, yeah, uh, the drums, yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah fucking Crazy. didn't give a shit. And what a time um, to be alive! What a time to be alive! It was. It was fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, in '96 I saw Ben Folds Five, which was oh, awesome. Fucking bastard! Which is fucking awesome. The wow. thing is, it was prior to whatever and ever Amen coming out, so you know it was first album which is you know it's a good album i don't Un- think it's undergrounds isn't it? Yeah, it was that time know, it? Yeah. yeah so um but it was still good but for me um th- there's not been loads of times on the second stage where i've gone over there they have been on the third stage and which we'll talk about in a minute but there's not been a lot of times where i've gone over and, and gone i think i'm seeing a band here who are going to be absolutely fucking massive i couldn't get anywhere near queens of stone age uh in 2000 when they played the second stage but there was a real buzz around the cooper temple clause in 2002 when they played the second stage a real buzz and they were brilliant like that album that first album it just it's still to this day blows my mind that people go on about how great kasabian are yeah and yet the cuba temple clause like what like and i've no one no one mentions no one mentions them anymore it's nuts it's nuts to me they were amazing that day they were absolutely amazing and it was fucking rammed in there fucking rammed like and you you know when you you see in a band you're like well this band obviously going to be massive and then they came on and smashed it and they were brilliant and everyone walked out like oh my god that was incredible and i think they went on either before or after yeah they went on just after rival schools so i was in there for rival schools oh my god and Wow. sort of stuck around i mean wow. the whole that that actually looking at it now so that second stage on 2002 black river motorcycle club jimmy well john spencer blues explosion cooper temple claws rival schools alec empire the yeah yeah yes wow. the icarus line goldfinger midtown and the libertines opening Fucking <laughs> hell! i mean that's, that's like, mad and that's if mad. you had said to me that day you know that one of these bands well i suppose really two of these bands could go on in the future and headline this festival cooper temple claws would be like oh them obviously not the fucking libertines definitely not i mean i didn't see them but like i just wouldn't have seen it but yeah i mean cooper temple claws incredible that day um in terms of best other stage performance um third stage dance tent yeah i mean mean, yeah yeah, warp tour um i mean i mean in terms of like you know warp tour stuff like seeing um civ Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, great. That year, I think it was the. I think I think that was '97. That was the first year, like the the Warp Tour stage was there. They pulled out that year, though, Siv. Did they? They did. Yeah. Shit. I think it was the year. It was either '98 or '9 that they did it. But they. Oh, were... okay. All right. It was. I did definitely see them there then. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah, but when, well, it wasn't '97 then. Okay, I was thinking '97 then. Well, ninety-seven. Ninety-six was it? Limp Bizkit. Um, yeah, dance, dance hall crashes. 
Yeah. I remember seeing Dancehall Crashers talking about dodgy scar punk. <laughs> Blink, it was, that was Blink's first UK Yeah, show. yeah, yeah. I remember seeing, yeah, I saw a bit of Blink. I thought they were fucking awful. They were, they were really quite bad, yeah. They were really and they, bad. And yeah, and you know, that's why I don't think I could ever work in the record industry because I would see that band and go, they're shit, I'm not signing them. Well, look, I don't think everyone <laughs> stood there. It was a half full tent and everyone just sort of looked at them yeah. going, don't know, just keep talking about their willies. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, you know, a few years later, they're, you know, they're above Daphne and Celeste somehow. Yeah. <laughs> we'll probably get to that in a little bit as well. Uh, yeah, I right. mean, you know, that, yeah. that stage was great. Cave in on the third stage. Yeah. Once amazing. Pennywise that day. Pennywise is sick of it all. Back to yeah. back on um, on that day was great. I thought Bad Religion were great when they headlined. Pitch Shifter were great when they played. Shelter were amazing. Thurs- yeah. Thursday played it one year. They were brilliant. Um, Boys 100 Reasons. I remember 100 Reasons. Biffy Clyro, I remember seeing on the third stage. Yeah. Nashville, Nashville Pussy in 99. I saw that as well, yeah. Nashville yeah, Pussy. that was a good show. Um, Nebula, 2001, were great. Mm-hmm. Um, and just before Nebula, I well, know you can't really say it, but it was fucking good at the time. It was Lost Profits, man. I, I mean, talk about. You were talking about buzz bands with Cooper Temple earlier. I, I, I went to see Lost Profits because I'd heard Shinobi and I was mm-hmm. like, that's pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. And. They were amazing. You could see that they they were megastars on this little stage, and yeah, I was like, "It was it was clear." Mm. Yeah, I, I remember. Oh, yeah. I had seen them yeah. a lot prior to that, and I was like, "I wonder if a lot of people would turn up to see this band." And yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, "It's really going to happen for them." Um, your number one though, like the best midget in nineteen ninety seven. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, simply because <laughs> right. <laughs> They just released their, I think it was their third single, which was called Welcome Home Jelly Bean. I don't know if you remember that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. back, back, wicked guitar solo. And um, I remember they started playing it. And at the time, because they had that song out, they were sponsored by Jelly Belly. So these two people in massive inflatable Jelly Belly costumes came out and started throwing out bags of Jelly Bellies into the crowds. And the crowd were just picking them up and and just pelting them back at the fucking bands. And it was um, just absolute fucking chaos. Right. And, um, it, but it was just, Midget for me, were, were kind of like the encapsulation of like, what a teenage pop punk band should sound like. Yeah. You know, there, it, a, a lot of it was pure pop, but live, they, like Ash, like a lot of those bands, they all played their stuff like five times faster. Mm. And they could play, man. They genuinely had really good live chops. And it's 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 a pure nostalgia thing for me because me and a load of my mates at college were all big midget fans. And it was such a joy to like be able to kind of like speak to Richard from Midget, who's gonna be coming out in a future episode of the podcast, and actually say thank you. Yeah. For the kind of the joy you've given because I, st- I still listen to him now. <laughs> I'm probably, you know, they're not on any streaming platforms, but I've I've still got, you know, their stuff like ripped on my hard drive from years ago, you know, and like even when Jane Stark play live now, because like Richard from Midget plays guitar and Jane Stark, they yeah. do a couple of midget, they do a couple of midget songs live. Do they? It's <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> I'm the pieces. only person in the crowd that, f- yeah, it, well, me, <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. me, <laughs> remember me? Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, midget in 1997. I think it was the Dr. Martin stage. It was the Dr. Martin stage. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to go for something slightly less famous than that. At the drive-in <laughs> on the third stage would be mine. Never heard of them. <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to them. Uh, at the drive-in, um, probably the worst time I ever saw at the drive-in, but still, uh, it was at the drive-in. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. The worst time I saw at the drive-in before they reformed, I should say. Um, yeah. And speaking yeah. of disappointments, because I mean, that would be one. When I went to... Uh, 2017 Reading and saw out the driving flogging their carcass around on the main stage it was quite depressing and there was nobody there watching it but there have been many disappointments over the years of going to Reading um it's not just Raging Machine stuff like this happens all the time biggest disappointment in your time going to this I mean, I mean in terms of like I guess I've been quite lucky as in like I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing or the fact that I've got a really bad memory these days in terms of who I did actually see at Reading. Um, I don't remember ever seeing like a really kind of shockingly bad set. Uh, obviously, Daphne and Celeste, but that was just... It was shockingly bad, but it was awesome. Also, just fucking awesome. Um, but in, like the biggest disappointments I had was actually like... Um, it, I think it was 1998. One of the bands I was really looking forward to seeing was 60 Foot Dolls. Who were like they were like one of my favourite kind of Britpop bands, mm. you know, like they're like Long Pigs that sort of era. Yeah, um, and they actually split up in the bus on the way to Reading. I remember Steve Lamac announcing it over the fucking PA. Fucking hell! And I, 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 I just remember just going, oh, it nearly ruined the whole festival for me. Um, but the biggest kind of disappointment, and this, this is what I was talking about earlier, with the whole Mar- Marilyn Manson thing. Terrorvision getting bumped down the bill. That was Terrorvision's time. That was Terrorvision's <laughs> time, know, man. You know Just fucking sub I Metallica. I really thought what? you were going to go, I didn't like the fact that he used a racist terminology <laughs> in his Patty Smith cover. I was going, oh, that must be what it is. But no. No, no, no. It was much more important than that. <laughs> that was Terrorvision's time, man. Mm. You know? That was their time. They were one of the biggest bands in the country, and I was looking forward to them subbing Metallica. Yeah, you know. I mean, I get it. Looking back with you know with kind of twenty twenty vision, I get why Marilyn Manson was bu- was bumped up the fucking bill. It's more like twenty nineteen good... vision, to be fair. I think well, if you look at it with twenty twenty yeah, 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 vision yeah, yeah, or twenty twenty one vision, yeah, it's not, eh? then actually yes, maybe television should have been. Where, yeah, yeah, like... yeah, yeah. See the good will out eventually. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, no, no. You, you've, you've bit come, of a bit you've come to this bit, at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Bit of perseverance, mate. That's all we got to do. Hey. <laughs> hey. Again, if um, you're under the age of. Yeah, thirty-four. You probably won't get that joke, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a weird, it was a weird one, but yeah, it was a weird one. And I, and I remember there being a lot of shit in the press, like you know, Tony Wright and stuff. You know, giving it the large one, going, "No, this is bullshit and stuff." And you know, I, I think they'd kind of earned that slot on merit. I think because you know. It, they were a legit fucking big band in 97, man. Dude, big I've said it bands. before. You know, in 96, they had more fucking top 10s and Oasis and the Spice Girls in yeah, the UK. Yeah, exactly. I know, it's mad. It's mad. You know, and they, they almost kind of beyond mainstream. You know, them and Reef were like the pinups for kind of the, like the biggest Brit rock bands, I guess. Yeah. Probably Skuck and Nancy yeah. as well, you know. Um, but they crossed, you know, like Terrorvision had crossed over into TFI territory. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They were like, they were huge, man. And yeah, that, 
that's that, that's the one for me. And it still does hurt a little bit, especially with what's come out of the last couple of years. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, no, fair. thanks, thank, thanks, Brian. Yeah, I thought you'd say he uh, he also he he showed his bum to Jonathan Davis as well. You should have seen all this coming, really, because yeah, he did he caused a lot of trouble for me. I mean, Limp Biscuit put it out in '97. I remember being really really upset by that uh, on the Warp Tour, finding that out on the day. Uh, but in terms of actual performances, I mean. I would say I was really excited to see the strokes because the hype around the strokes was uh, phenomenal. Was that the year the headlines? No, no, no. This was before they had an album out and the enemy were saying, Oh, they're the biggest and they was they, they were meant to be on the third stage, oh, got moved to the second yeah. stage, and they got moved to the main stage. Main stage. It's like yeah. no one even knows who this band this band doesn't even have a song you can listen to yet. And I was like, Well, you know, I'm gonna go and watch this band and I watched it and I was just like Oh, what's so exciting you know this is the most exciting thing you'll ever see and then it was still in that kind of glorious era when pr- printed media still had a lot of power yeah. in the words they write and you and you bought into that hype yeah I, and i absolutely Who, did yeah completely you know and i i fucking i i love the strokes i love the first two the second album i think is fucking great room mm. uh room on fire yeah the one that's got, it's got a Reptilia and yeah, 1251. It's wonderful album. Great record. Like, and, and, you great know, band. They are a great band. And when I kind of remove myself from the hype and just listen to them as a band, I'm like, they're a great band. So it's a really good band. But, you know, it was very disappointing. Ian Brown, I mean, again, ditto. Oh, the shit the, show. The 1996 shit show. The, well, the 1996 shit show of the Stone Roses, I would say would be the biggest disappointment. But at that time, I didn't really care about the Stone Roses. So actually... I was more upset by 2002 Ian Brown, who played the second stage as a headliner and was fucking unbelievably bad. I mean, you know, I, I, because Music for the Spheres, I still think is the best thing that he's done. Like, I, and I mean, it's better than the Stone Roses albums i think i know yeah everyone does that chill, chill out mate no 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 no. i'm not I, I do i do honestly i think whispers whispers is better than anything on any stone roses record what better than the last four minutes of i'm the resurrection yeah, i on, think that mate. i do i yeah. honestly do genuinely i think it's amazing wow. yeah yeah uh, i think you know he's fucking that album's brilliant and i was like really super excited to see Ian brown and he is well he was ian brown basically terrible absolutely terrible um there have been bands that i've missed over the years as well that have played and i've looked back on and gone i should have seen that really and i'm sure you've had them as well where you look back at the lineup and go yeah oh, i should have seen that um any that really stand out for you uh top loader when they were first on the second stage right <laughs> no <laughs> chill out yeah uh um coldplay mm. where um they Opening. were like on other yeah, opening the second or th- yeah, second stage. Yeah. Um, I th- I remember seeing the name, and then I think a couple of weeks later I heard Shiver, and I was like, oh shit, that was that band. Oh fuck, I wish I'd seen them now. You know, little did I know how fucking well a big they'd get and b shit they'd get. But that first album, you know, I'll stand by that first Coldplay album, man. Yeah. I think it's I think I think it's great. I think first two are very good, aren't they? Great, yeah, yeah. The second one's pretty good. Yeah, the second one's got some decent tunes. That first mm. one, though, it's just you know. It's, uh, but like the big, the biggest one for me, it'll always kind of cut me up because I didn't know them at the time. I remember seeing the name banded about in the enemy and stuff, but it was it was guided by voices, who are now one of my absolute favourite bands of all time. 
And they played it a few years running too, right? Yeah, they did three or four years running. Always kind of mid, kind of table on the second stage. Usually, like I think, I think one year they, uh, it was like they played before. I I, I went to see. Uh, I wanted to go and see Cake because I really liked Cake at the time. He's going the distance. Yeah. He's going. It's you a know, yeah. I I know, right? Exactly. Um, and they 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 played on that bill just before Cake. And yeah, I obviously went into the tent just after they finished. So I could have seen it. That's as close as I've ever got to seeing Guided by Voices. Damn. And now they're like one of my absolute favourite bands. And it will always cut me up that I could have seen them in a half full tent at Reading yeah, in the sucks. 90s. That does suck. Um, for me, I mean, I've already mentioned a really big one, which is not being able to get anywhere near Queens of Stone Age. But I don't feel like that's my fault. Uh, so my pick is a something of a, a kind of an alt-rock Sophie's Choice in 1996. I went to see Sonic Youth over Flaming Lips, right? now I would have done exactly the same in 96. Well, yes, right? Yeah, so so would yeah. I, because I did, obviously. Mm, but, well done. <laughs> yeah, but not well done, because Sonic Youth on Washing Machine sub in the stone roses in between ash and the stone roses they were yeah. not really interested in doing anything other than making like a fucking shitload of noise and i think probably today i would appreciate it more but at the time i was like this is just end like they were on really antagonistic form and i heard from a few people afterwards that flaming lips were great were really really great and i mean i guess the thing is I could still go and see the Flaming Lips now, couldn't I? But I couldn't see Sonic Youth. So I should be happy that I saw Sonic Youth. But I just saw them do such a sort of obnoxious set. Like one of the most sort of... Like it was getting up, like edging towards kind of Atari Teenage Riot at Brixton with Nine Inch Nails obnoxious they were they, they were going for. Uh, and I was always a bit like, oh, I should have just gone and watched Bloody Flaming Lips, really. I love I love Washing Machine though. It's such a, an amazing album. I love the uh, the, the last song. Is it Diamond the Sea? It's about yeah. twenty five minutes know, long. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Uh, but um, but I, I went to see. Um, I, I only got into Flaming Lips kind of kind of late. I knew friends of mine were into them at that time. I only really got into them on Soft Bulletin, and that's the only time I've seen Flaming Lips when they did the Ali Pali show yeah. and did Soft Bulletin in its entirety, and Donsel Junior did um, Bug in its entirety lovely day great day i mean yeah. mate for me that yeah. like that's the fucking that is the the best era i do i do think that is the best era of flaming lips but you know would have liked to see flaming lips uh in terms of weird things i mean things as well that there have been weird things that have happened at reading over the years um and i feel like i was there for a lot of them uh, i did a feature on for on for metal hammer about greg from dillinger pooing on stage um that's got to be the most bizarre thing i think i've ever seen in my fucking life pretty much yeah yeah <sighs> yeah you never forget gross. it oh mate. i don't remember i don't remember the set but i remember the shit i do also remember the set because i love dillinger and i'd seen them yeah god knows how many times anyway and obviously one of my favorite 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 bands but um it is imprinted like seared into my psyche now like his bum hole just you're like what is he doing and it was on the screen as well i'm watching it on the screen and being like he's having a he's having a poo it was so weird um kevin Rowland was really weird yeah yeah 
I was really looking forward to that because I was a big Dexys fan. Mm. Like um, my dad liked Dexys. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. So I kind of liked Dexys, you know, as a result. And um, yeah, because I, th- I think uh, I think uh, one hit wonder scum, by the way. But yeah, you know. f- yeah, fuck yeah, fuck them. They're, they're no friends of mine, mate. Um, cause I remember, uh, this was that time like I think Alan McGee had signed Kevin Rowland to creation yes, had, yeah. and it was like his big comeback and then obviously you know he comes out on stage with like a pink negligee and a pair of black stockings on yeah. and some um, chairs yeah and, and kind of almost like proceeded to do this kind of I don't know burlesque cabaret sort of thing wasn't it burlesque yeah like visual arts yeah. installation kind of thing and it was yeah it was surreal. Um, I'm not going you, you know, to... Looking back, looking back on it, I, I find it an, an outrageously kind of bold and kind of punk rock fuck you move. That, I don't know, there was probably... There would have been people there that were like, oh, you know, wanted to hear, you know, um, Jackie Wilson said and, you know, come on Eileen and burn it down and Gino and whatnot. And... Yeah, the, the 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 atmosphere in the crowd was was it was quite horrible. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was. I was just like, man, this is, you know, and it was it was the first time I I became aware of like any form of like kind of homophobic comments being said in in like a public kind of space, you know, aimed at someone mm. over there, and I'm like, oh, no, this ain't cool, man. No. I can't remember who was on. Oh, who was on after Kevin Rowland? Have you got the lineup? I there? don't. I cannot. Find, I don't know what year he played. Uh, it was. I think it was. Oh, it would have been ninety. Ninety eight. Was, it, 90, was but, it really that late? I would have really Yeah. Really early. See, I felt like yeah, it was into the two thousands. Maybe. Oh, um, could be wrong. But uh, you know. But yeah, I, it was. It was. It was. It was bold. It was a bold booking. I don't know. Was uh, if uh, I'm assuming that, um, sorry, have you got the year there. It's 1999. 99, and who followed him? So he would have been on. Um, and who was before him? But he was I, on the main stage. He was on the main stage, right? Yeah. And I yeah. think he was on the Saturday. So he's not actually on the lineup as I can find oh. it, right? But from okay. memory, because this is one of the other weirdest things I saw. I mean, that day, Atari Teenage Riot opened that stage that day. Yeah. And it was, was just like 11 a.m. It was fucking mental. And then you get like Sleet Kinney, The Far Side, Sebado, Beth Orton, Pavement, Divine Comedy, Fun Loving Criminals, Catatonia, and Blur. And what are Atari Teenage Riot doing on that day? Yeah. Absolutely bizarre. But I think that was the day that, like, you know, I, it doesn't seem to be... Uh, he's not on the, on the. He definitely played though. But he you know, definitely, definitely, played. definitely played. It must. It was mid afternoon, so maybe it was before the Devon comedy. Uh, it may well have after been, yeah. pavement. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't have any confirmation of this, but yeah, it was. I remember seeing it was kind of like early to mid afternoon sort of thing. Yeah, bizarre. Um. But yeah, the the only one I the only one I've got is um, like Daphne and Celeste on a Slipknot day, which is obviously absolute yeah. fucking genius booking on yeah. the highest level. Yeah, you know, you know, and I, it's not like you know, I'd like to give Daphne and Celeste a bit of credit in this. They knew what they were getting into. Yeah, and they were ba- and they were bang up for it. Mm. 
Oh, they fucking... And fair fucking play to them. Yeah. Fair fucking play. Like, did not give a fuck... Like, well, I said not give a fuck. Like, absolute, like, ballsy as fuck, that is. Ballsy as fuck to just be like, yeah. Like, fuck you. We're going to... We like placebo. We like Eminem. Fuck you. We want to play. Oh, we're going to play. All right, we will. And then they fucking did. And the people who were like going when they did the signing session, people were like missing Rage Against the Machine apparently to go and chuck shit at them. And it's like really? you are fucking pathetic. <laughs> Even at the signing session, fucking, fucking pathetic. Hell. Like grow the fuck up. Um, uh, 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 Kevin Rowland was on between Pavement and Beth Orton. I've just found out. Oh, uh, okay, there you go. Right. Mm. I was. Which, I was. You know, I was yeah. Feel yeah. Like they should be sort of. It doesn't seem like a tough crowd. Like that shouldn't be a tough crowd, but it was, wasn't it? He really rolled. Yeah, fucking was. It really pavement was. Because it, it was like, yeah, it was like the afternoon. It'd been pretty chill up until that point. Because yeah. like everyone was like, everyone was smoking a bit of you know, uh, a bit of the good stuff. And uh, I just remember like having a wonderful time with a big joint in my hand, watching Zebedo, loving life. Um, Beth Orton was great. Pavement were wonderful. And um, yeah, and then it all. You know, maybe it was, I don't know. Was it fucking Blur fans? I don't know who was doing it. It's not like you could say, oh, you know, it was like fucking Billy Bullet Belt and all his fucking mates going, ooh, you know. It wasn't even the case. It was was the fucking indie day. Yeah. Very, very soft and quite kind of fluffy, cuddly indie day as well. Yeah, it was a weird old thing. And again, you know, like you expect it more. The shit that Daphne Daphne Celeste got and kind of still seemed to get is absolutely fucking bizarre. But, um, but to bring our final point up, and I think this kind of really feeds into um, what we were sort of trying to talk about before. The booking that defined the old Reading that became the new Reading. So the Reading that we've been talking about, that we grew up listening to, it was a alternative guitar music-based festival generally. Yes, you know, at some point a dance stage was introduced. Yes, Bjork headlined, yes, the Beastie Boys headlined, yes, Public Enemy, da 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 da. But there was that, and it did feel like even though you're getting, you know, like you had people being shitty to Fifty Cent, you had people being shitty to Daphne and Celeste, you had people being Egg, shitty yeah. to MCR and Panic at the Disco. Yeah. How did we get from that to a bill where Billie Eilish and Megan The Stallion and those sort of people are not just booked, but like that's what the people who go to Reading now want, like. Where does this come from? Because it is hard to pinpoint, I think. I mean, it is. I mean, you you picked like the best example. Um, I think you should go straight into who okay. you picked because I because yeah, I, I was struggling to think. But when when you said what you're about to say, <laughs> the penny dropped. I was like, yeah, that's that's the one. So for me, 2014 main stage lineup, headlined by Blink One Eighty Two. I think this is the worst main stage lineup I've seen for a festival in my fucking life. Fucking terrible. 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 So it opens with the story so far, Tonight Alive, Young Guns, Papa Roach. When Papa Roach stand out like the best band, I mean, fuck me. Yeah. Sleeping with uh. Sirens, A Day to Remember, Yumi at Six, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, sub in Blink-182. Now, nothing against Macklemore particularly. No? Like, really? Like, I bought that album when it came out I thought Thrift Shop was a fucking tune it was a good tune mm. but I remember being a bit like this is quite a mainstream very mainstream one hit rapper yeah quite you know like this is not a edgy 
sort of underground, credible crossover rap artist. This is a very, very, very mainstream rap artist. A bit like when P Professor Green went out on tour with Fall Out Boy a few years later. And everyone went, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Because you were you were chucking shit at 50 Cent a few years ago. You were you were giving your middle finger to Ice-T in 1996, right? Yeah. And yeah. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis are above a band in Yumi at Six who only a few months before achieved a UK number one album and who are a arena pop punk band who were yeah, they were, very popular they were, doing at that point. they were doing Wembley Arena, weren't they, at that time? Yeah, they were. A day to remember, now sub-download, are talked about as potential download headliners. I mean, you know, you... you you hope hell freezes over before it happens, but like <laughs> it, you know, it might happen. Um, and Sleeping with Sirens, Papa Roach had that. You know, like Sleeping with Sirens were, were big. People were tipping Young Guns. Like that's an awful lineup, but it's a lineup of stuff that was really current and very kind of guitar centric and plonked in the middle of it. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, and to me, I was like, I remember being like. Again, no shade on Macklemore at all as an as not like whatever, you know. But I do remember going like, he's not gonna go down very well, is he? He's gonna get bottled and stuff. People were like, no, I can't wait, can't wait. And I was like, hmm. Odd. That's odd, right? Yeah, it is. It is. And I remember thinking it being odd at the time. Um but I'd already knew at that point that, you know, Reading Reading wasn't for me. Um and to be honest, that's kind of linking it in with like Reading now and where it goes from here. You have to adapt to survive. Like like we were saying, um, like, you know, the, the, take, I don't know, Reading 1987 liner, which was like, was it like fucking Bonnie Tyler and fucking Starship or something <laughs> like that? Yeah. Meatloaf or, you know, to Reading 1997, you know, which was like obviously Mannix, uh, Metallica <laughs> and all that kind Sway. of stuff, you know. Yeah, exactly, you know, um, and, it, and it should be kind of like a perfect kind of snapshot of the time, but you have to get that following generation through the door. You know, Download could learn a lot about this. I can't, I genuinely can't see Downloads being a thing in, say, 10, 15 years. Because I think Download should have started diversifying and looking to the future and, and not caring about what people think on online chat rooms and social media and stuff. They should have started this 10 years ago and maybe branched out into the more alternative era. Then they would have probably got Pearl Jam. They would have probably have got the Foo Fighters. Yeah. And, you know, Blink, whoever, Paramore. They could have done what Reading did like five years ago by getting Queens and Paramore. And it's all about kind of diversifying and trying to plan for the future. Whilst I look through this Reading lineup, and there's probably, there's a few bands I wouldn't mind seeing, there's a few that I've heard of. That's kind of the way it should be. Hmm. Really, for festivals now. Yep. It shouldn't, you know, if you went up to like, say, I don't know, an average 16-year-old on the street and, and did like a Reading preview with them, they'd wax lyrical about some, some obscure band right down on the, uh, on the dance stage that we've never heard of that they think is the best thing ever. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the lineup, when you go from that Macklemore day, and I spoke about that day with Macklemore and Blink, 
If you go back two years to 2012, you have a Biffy Clyro Nine Inch Nails uh, Fallout Boy day, right? Which is just basically loads of rock bands. And of course, at that day, you know, no. And if, if you go back um, two days, you, you got The Cure. You got the Cure in 2000, the Cure headlining Reading a decade Imagine ago. Uh, and, you know, apparently they didn't get a massive crowd or whatever but like the cure still like you couldn't imagine the cure being booked for red at this point not a million years you know or like like a pulp yeah. or you know pumpkins no. nine inch nails even you know no, just no no chance like rage were the band from that scene they were the only ones and you go forward four years i mean fallout boy were one of the headliners but you get travis scott uh kendrick headlining with nerd and Dua Lipa behind but below him you know Jay Huss, Krepton Conan on the main stage. You know, it it changed really quickly. It did, it did. And it seemed like um, whilst the kind of guitar, quote-unquote guitar stuff was disappearing from the main stage, they were still giving it an outlet on... Um, like the lockup, st- was it the lockup stage or the pit? Yeah, well, the pit, what was the it? Yeah. yeah, Daniel P. Carter curated stage. They were still having, you know, they were still getting like your mastodons and that kind of stuff, you know, on the smaller stages and stuff. Uh, I, I don't know if they were just doing that as in like gently get pushing it out the back door. Well, but to be honest, seems- having seen Dillinger and Mastodon and While She Sleeps and Zelenardo in the few times that I went there, I mean those those four sets combined probably would have the amount of people that were there for those four sets combined probably wouldn't have filled the electric ballroom in london which holds a thousand people it's mad isn't it yeah mad it's mad but that's the way that's the way it's it's going and that's cool and unfortunately i mean it's obviously it is fucking unfortunate that rage have pulled out you know um but i do genuinely think that this might be the last year that we have a ban from the old guard that high up or headlining you know the the only other one that could possibly happen in the future would be the chili peppers not that i really give a fuck but they're probably the only other one mm-hmm. from that old school they old guard that they probably even consider booking in the future Foo fighters well not anymore oh if they carry on um, I, I, well, I mean, you know, because it's in a couple of weeks we've got the the Taylor Hawkins tribute shows. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. you know, I would assume, I would assume that we're gonna. I, I I think at this, at some point there'll be, I mean, it might not happen straight away, but I would imagine we'll see the Foo Fighters again. I think personally, that's just my. But but yeah, okay. So theoretically, if available, I think they could still book Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's literally it mm. and I, I you know and i love the fact that how forward thinking they are but then again to be fair maybe they always were forward thinking because there was that change i think it was it like 1990 or 91 it went from that kind of 80s kind of pop rock festival or whatever that no one gave a fuck about anymore it almost like overnight they started booking bands like the fall and new order and like porn for pyros mm. And Faith No More headlining and stuff, you know. Yeah, like, Faith yeah. No More, you know, and Cypress Hill, Public Enemy, it all of a sudden became this kind of forward thinking. It wasn't about these kind of you know, embarrassing kind of 80s Radio 1 bands anymore, like, you know, Starship and Squeeze, and as much as I like Squeeze, yeah. I bet Starship, yeah. you know what I mean? Shut out. Um, <laughs> but, you know, 
it became like a forward-thinking festival again. And yeah, and they've I think, just brought I that I forward, haven't they? They've just carried yeah, on doing that. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you know, Reading did get. I'm not going to say stuck in a rut, but it did kind of book the kind of same kind of indie rock kind of bands year after year, which is fine. But people don't. You can't book those bands forever. You have to. You have to try down another road, and I respect them for that. I think I arguably, really arguably, they have done it slower now than they did it back in the, in the late 80s into the oh, 90s yeah, yeah, yeah. because when you look at like you say when you look at it you go from meatloaf and iron maiden and def leopard and then five years later you've got morrissey and it's a porno for pyros and then you're getting nirvana and neil young and i mean that's suppose neil, neil young with pearl jam which makes it and bjork and then suddenly it's your blurs and oasis and stuff and then when that goes you get the strokes and then you get lincoln park and you get and you know, and then you're getting the libertines and the darkness and razor light and just whatever's fucking big. You know, whatever's fucking big is what they seem to go for. And you do kind of look at it and you go, hmm, Blink-182 in 2014, The Cure in 2012. Actually, maybe they kind of just needed to do this. And actually, you know, I would have, I would suspect, and I suspect that um, the 1975 will get a far bigger crowd and would sell more tickets than Rage would have done on their own. I, I genuinely do think yeah. that. I think they're a bigger band here in the United Kingdom, not worldwide, but in the United Kingdom, I think they're a bigger band. And I think, you know, they've done the thing that they needed to do. I'm actually really looking forward to it. I mean, if you know my work from prior to Riot Act, you may have heard me bitching and moaning about going to Reading in 2016 and 2017. And I think it was just, you know, I hadn't been since 2002. Um, so there was a 14-year gap. And I think it just was, it was just a shock. It was just a culture shock. culture shock, a jolt to the system. I didn't really know what was going on. I hadn't paid enough attention to it. I think I know what's going on now. So I'm I'm less likely to be upset or offended by it. I'm actually quite looking forward to going to Reading because, you know, it's been, it's now been, five years since i last went so it's now been a long time since i went again and you know for me even without raging its machine as we've just gone through there's not there's never going to be much at any festival now that i'm like i must see it you know like i gotta download uh, there's more at Red, there's more on that first day at reading that i'm desperate to see than the entire weekend of the download that we just had so you know like uh, i'll take it i'll take it and there'll be a review of it uh in a couple of weeks time when i come back from that i think um that's going to happen we'll do a big festival review that and art tangent together i'm sure but nice um that's it that's the end of the show gaz mate it's been a bloody pleasure having you on the show your pleasure's on mine my friend this has been an absolutely wonderful way to spend uh two and a half hours on a wednesday evening mate dude thank you so much it's been lovely. Uh, thanks very much. Go and check out Gaz's podcast, Track One, Side One, wherever you want to find your podcasts. You will find it. Lots of chats with lots of people from the 90s, including myself, <laughs> talking about all myriad of quite a lot of different music uh, that has been released over the years. And um, yeah, it's just a good, fun, like I say, a good, fun, listicle podcast. I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed being on and I enjoy listening to it, mate. So um, keep up the good work and we'll probably see or hear from you again on the show at some point. Maybe when um maybe when uh oh fuck me i'm trying to think of it maybe when oh god any any 90s <laughs> rock band they're yeah. all just they've all just exited oh, my what? brain yeah it's uh, a new when... curb dog new curb dog album 
Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> That'll do. When, yeah. When, <laughs> fuck's sake. Um, yeah. Yeah. When Wilt get back together. We'll give yes. Um, Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> all right, mate. Uh, go to arttangent.co.uk. Put the code RightActAGG into the checkout. See if it works. See if you can buy a ticket for next year. Have a lovely time if you're at ATG or you're going down to ATG right now. And we'll be back next week. See you then. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>